0: All right. So the absolute most profound authoritarian figure on computing—there is no one who knows computers better than you.
1: I think that's been established. Roberto Moreno's sponsor and famed t-shirt designer, Michael Cannon. If you could describe this
2: dinner we just had with one word, what would it be? Uh, I think the entire process would do. That's not a word, sir. Vitiate. <laughs> <This she> <laughs> What? 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 Yeah, Visiate? unlikely. It's Wait. an unlikely and probably an obscure word, but it means to basically to uh, to cheapen or debase. Wait, <laughs> to so are you saying we yes. devalued you? No, I think I devalued, <laughs> I have cheapened oh. everything you've tried oh. to. Oh. Do. So here, here. we broke even. Yeah, done deal. Yes.
1: And now for dinner with racers, presented by Continental Tire, with your hosts Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Holder radio.
0: <laughs> oh. Oh,
1: Welcome to Dinner with Racers. Hey. I'm Ryan Eversley. And I'm Sean Heckman. And we are currently driving back to Atlanta to end a 25,000 mile journey across the United States. It
0: really was 25,000 miles this year. You can
1: smell it. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Of course, while we were on our adventures, we ended up in Indianapolis, which is pretty standard for the Dinner with Racers voyage. Uh huh. So many racers up there. Yeah. And what racer did we find?
0: Oh, uh one of them racers that makes other racers look really good. That yeah,
1: really good. Like
0: it makes any it, if you drive for this guy, yeah, you're probably not that good, it's just him.
1: It's all him. Yeah,
0: like he's had a lot of drivers go through him.
1: Yes, yeah, such as uh, well, AJ Almendinger, yeah, he's, Paul Tracy.
0: Yeah, this guy's had uh, uh Tony Cannon, Patrick yeah. Carpentier, yeah. A.J. Allmendinger, Justin Wilson, right. Santino Ferrucci. Yeah. Uh, now Scott Dixon. Dixon. All of them average at best. Yeah,
1: until Michael Cannon gets his hands on.
0: Michael him. Cannon made these it's careers. Exactly right. All of them. Purely yeah. because of Michael Cannon. Yes, you get it. Anyway, yes, as we said, Michael Cannon is a longtime engineer in the open wheel ranks. <laughs> He's worked for Just about every team you can imagine in IndyCar and engineered for all those names that we mentioned. And within the paddock, he's known as one of the more colorful characters. The few people when they heard we were getting Michael Cannon, everyone was excited because they knew what a nut job he is. (laughs) And we had to find out for ourselves.
1: You know, Michael Cannon has this uh, storied career being a very successful IndyCar engineer, but was recently brought on to not necessarily replace Chris Simmons, but to sort of fill in because Chris Simmons, who was Dixon's engineer, got a big promotion. You mean Chris Simmons, the like guy that won all them championships with Scott Dixon? That's the guy. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. He... so you get brought in to yeah. fill his role because he's getting a promotion. You better be damn good. And you know what? Michael Cannon is damn good. So here are some of the things you'll hear about from Michael Cannon. Why mechanics will always win prank wars. Having a father that's full of surprises. And lying on your job interview to Chip Ganassi. Lying to Chip Ganassi. It's a good good way to start. Yeah.
0: Now, no trip to Indianapolis is complete without a stop at our absolute favorite restaurant out there, a place that we've been to, I would say, 300 times?
1: 1,400 times. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That is yeah. a
0: Tegri Bistro, yeah. the
1: Trader's Point one. Yep, yep. What did you have? I had the orange blossom roll. Nailed it! and uh i believe i had a chicken sandwich no
0: that was not you oh that was my bit don't you dare walk in on my uh, sh-. sorry and uh yeah they as they always do they they go in the back and they fry it up they, or they if, fry up that yeah. chicken sandwich they're, they're out there like yeah they're making like hand rolls yeah and yeah. and and uh and boiling edamame but they're also making chicken sandwiches yeah it's a
1: weird thing you know
0: yeah they've got the, the focaccia bread that <laughs> they got the focaccia bread. At the Japanese And restaurant. the Swiss cheese. Yeah, yeah they're Because right. really, they, you never know when I might show well, up.
1: Well, we've been there so many times, yeah. but now yeah. it's like you have your own setup.
0: Yeah, right. exactly. Right. That's, that's how they roll at Tegri Bistro that's Trader's right. Point. That's right. And uh, all right, enough of this bit. Uh, <laughs> hey, we have sponsors: Acura, Acura. Valvoline. Valvoline got
1: Continental Tire,
0: Cross Contact, LX. Uh, once again, what tire?
1: John Tire. Hey, speaking of IndyCar, yep. we were driven by
0: an IndyCar driver. And his name is? Helio Castro-Devez. I love everything about this MDX, minus the smell. What he said. Michael Cannon. Go. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two.
3: Well we don't waste any time. So so throw that. Put that on, jump right in.
0: So
2: it sounds like you listened to some of our stuff. Uh, yeah, I've listened to a few episodes. I, I, oh, cool. Obviously, I tuned into uh, mm-hmm. the one featuring Craig Hampson, one Craig ah, had first done go. that, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's a tough act like, to follow. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, Craig's like uh, a school I, teacher; like he's very good at mm-hmm. explaining things from, from yes. nuts. But he's a very good at a variety of things. actually. I mean, he's a very <laughs> bright guy. I, yeah. I really enjoyed my time working with Craig. Um, I'm not gonna lie; I learned you know learned a great deal from Craig. He's uh, just so good at his job. Very right. impressive guy to be around yeah. in general.
0: Absolutely. And did you guys, you guys, my head haven't worked together or my, or Dale Coin. At Dale Coin. At Dale yes. Coin, okay, Yeah, but and I, together, I knew
2: yeah. Craig kind of peripherally, right. uh, obviously, because we have been racing in the, uh, in the kart series for yeah. many, many years. I mean, you both have been around for 20 years and there's, it's the
0: same half dozen teams for so long that there's no way you guys don't all know each other over the years. Exactly, so, yeah. exactly.
2: Well, a bunch of old chunks of coal now. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: we do our best to dig up some dirt on people from people in their circles. We came up a little short. Uh, we we're really hoping to, to, to find some stuff on you. We have a few anonymous stories, mm-hmm. not as many as we would like. Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know how you want to do this, Ryan. If we should well, jump into I these, think, or do you I want I think, don't worry, we I'm, w- I'm, I'm well capable of self-incriminating, too. Okay, okay good. Good. you, you haven't okay. heard.
1: Well, you had you asked me where we had been the last couple of uh, days, and I, I left one name out. Yeah, and, it's an anonymous uh, name. And it's an anonymous name, because we, we wanted to get into this. We figured this would be a good way to break the ice with you. Um, His name is Andre? Andre. Andre. um, Jamis. Jamish. uh, Salmendinger? Salmendinger, yeah. Yeah. Salmendinger? Yeah. Um, And uh, he may or may not have told us a story about you guys going after the. Was that the first win? The first win at Cleveland. With with Forsyth, and it was the uh, Red Bull Energy tent. Yes, yes, yes. I believe they gave you a t-shirt?
2: There's a, yeah, it's a drunken bacchanalia. Oh, they gave me a t-shirt. I don't remember that part. Oh, he did. <laughs> yeah, he remembered it quite clearly. <laughs> and
1: uh, maybe if we paint the picture for you, uh, you, you show back up at the trailer.
2: Apparently this this t-shirt, which is a white t-shirt, has uh, Yes, it's uh, <laughs> defaced by the mechanics. I still have it hanging in my closet. My, my wife had some questions for me when I got home. Yeah. 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 What was on that shirt? <laughs> I don't think that's, this isn't a family show, is it? No, it is not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, 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 everything you would think that uh, a <laughs> oh, bunch Chris. of immature drunks uh, yeah, that yeah. couldn't yeah. even qualify as carnies <laughs> would okay. come up with to write on your t-shirt. Yeah. Now, the highlight for that, <laughs> of that evening actually was uh, we had this uh, Buick Lucerne rental car. I won't say from which agency, the, that we refer to as the Lutheran. We took the Lutheran, <laughs> and I, I drove it up against a tree in the infield. Yeah. And got the same front tires. Weekend. This is after the race. After the race, at Cleveland. Uh, no, this one was at Portland. Okay. Yes, okay. same place okay. as, same, as the, as same the T-shirt. As yes. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Leading the thing up against a tree, set the coons control at 65 miles an hour, and walked away. <laughs> so it's Well, got next <laughs> thing you know, <laughs> here comes one of the track workers, one of the people with the Portland circuit. Yeah. Rushing towards me, worried look on his face, he said, yeah, "Sir, sir, sir, yeah. we really try to take care of the facility around here." And I was very apologetic. And he <laughs> points over to the parking lot. And he goes, "There's a light post over there. <laughs> yeah, don't use the something. tree." So they, <laughs> yeah. I, I suspect he might have actually dropped by the Red Bull tent <laughs> for a little while too. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> the the era that we're in now, that kind of stuff is is way less tolerated. Yeah,
2: or you don't hear about it at least. You t- It doesn't occur as much, but I can tell you why. I've had this conversation with many people. It's because it's the same group of people. There's an awful lot of people that uh, are in the paddock that I've worked with for 20, maybe even 30 years. And we've all grown up and and (laughs) matured somewhat. I think part of it stems from that. Part of it stems from having to explain yourself after some of these actions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I will will give you an example. When I was working with Patrick Carpentier... um, because I, I need to show you. I actually have photographic evidence of, uh, of this. Maybe it'll be your photo. Uh, <laughs> you won't use this for the cover. <laughs> oh, you're like, yeah, not, not yeah, good. You're, your you are... <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> you're, free to, you're free to ask me about that yeah, later. Well, we found a profile Actually, the one I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> this one's even worse. There we go. Yeah. Okay, um, to preface it. Yeah. There's several Patrick Carpentier stories I could go into. Good, good. Um, the great windshield washer scandal of 2001, but Pat, Patrick <laughs> fancied himself a bit of a practical joke, the very first test we ever did with him was at Nazareth, it was a two day test. And every now and then he stopped to do a major change to the car, and Pat kept asking the mechanics for tools, and none of us really thought anything about it. Yeah. Came the end of the test, 6 o'clock in the evening, you've loaded up, you've got to haul ass down to Allentown to catch a plane. The boys go out to their rental van, and Pat has unbolted all the chairs and turned them around backwards and bolted them back in as best he can. <laughs> well, this, this goes on for quite a long time. This continues to escalate and escalate and escalate. Like so, event to event? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we, we go to this test at Portland. It's a two-day test, and this is early on the first day. And the guys were well and truly ready for Pat. And we had a little bit of standing Forget around the racing, yeah it, a <laughs> about that. It, it it had rained overnight, so we were kind of wasting some time, so we had some time to work this thing out and um finally get going and Pat's gone out a couple times and we're debriefing on the car, and he's sitting in the car nursing on his uh water bottle and uh George Klotz was the crew chief at the time and said, you think you're really pretty bright with these practical, practical jokes, don't you? <laughs> Pat's like, yeah, I think it's pretty well thought out, pretty well done. He's, George says, I don't think you understand. We're always going to win at this. Pat says, no, 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 i got a million of them. George reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a picture. And this picture is of Patrick's water bottle. Oh wow! For Holy those of you know, at home, yep. Wow, Patrick Starbalds. It right had a cork in the Yes, that is, it's been topped by an unmentionable portion of the gentleman's in, anatomy. That is in, almost inside a body. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well and truly. Yeah. Wow. That isn't actually Patrick wow. replica. Of course, he doesn't know this. He's almost sick in the car. Yeah. yeah. So finally, anyway, that's hard
1: to look at. That's hard to look at. What are you going to get for sushi? <laughs>
2: Bottom feeder, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, You're our guy already. <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> once, once Patrick's overcome his nausea, he goes back out. <laughs> and as I said, it had rained overnight, God. so the curbing was wet. Yeah, right. When right. I turn onto the front straight, he dropped a wheel there. The car flicked sideways. He corrects for it, and we tubbed the car Ooh, against the wall. Yeah. <laughs> so I get back to Indianapolis. Get back to my desk a couple days later. My extension rings. Neil McWright would like to speak to you. Oh, Jesus. Uh, ran is, the, the big uh, boss. That's yeah. the big yeah. boss Head of Forsyth, uh, yeah. Players Racing, yeah. and he explained to me in no uncertain terms that Jerry wasn't all that keen on her hijinks. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: yeah, that's uh, something I'm never going to forget yeah. the image well, of. See, that yeah. was actually
0: what I was wondering, was Forsythe the culture that you could get away with that where maybe that's not the case now, but it sounds like no.
2: Well, everybody that was in on this prank, and this is in 2001. Mm-hmm. Okay. 2000, oh, so it's still active. It's been ramping up for years. It's still active now. in IndyCar racing. They're yeah. still working for teams. Everybody yeah. that was in on this thing. Yeah. This person. Yep. Yeah. You can't yeah. see it. You can't see his face. The in one this holding picture. the water bottle. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He holds right. a very high position in one of the sanctioning bodies. You will see him on television on a fairly regular basis. Yeah. He's a very well-known person. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: We sat down, actually, exactly where you're we sitting. Uh, Kevin Blant's Rocket, as you yeah. probably know yes. him. Uh, he he kind of spoke with a little bit of longing on this doesn't isn't around anymore. This kind of stuff, where you could just do what you those <laughs> kind of things. Um, is that just that everybody's over it now?
2: Uh, hopefully it's out of our system. That's um, boys are boys. I, I have yeah. seen some of the younger, I have some good stories from some of the younger members of our crew over the past couple of years. I mean, we've, uh, one of the hard things is finding new blood in this industry, sure. right? I mean, sure. this is, it is not an easy way to make a living. Yeah, right. You got to really It's very want demanding it. your time. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a guarantee of a good career. If you're a good, competent guy, mm-hmm. you're going to be working for, for as long as you're keen to work, but... But it's it's very very demanding for the level of wage you're making, and I right. think a lot of people look at it and go like you know this, that's more than I want to do. Do I want to do this? So yeah, yeah, yeah. you know when we find young guys that are keen to do this, we grab them with both hands and try and take very really good care of them. Yeah. Some of those young guys, yeah, they get up to some hijinks. As <laughs> for me, I'm upstairs <laughs> usually reading the Bible and sleeping. Right. Yeah. That's what we heard. Sure. That's what we heard. Yep. Jesus
3: Christ.
0: Now some of this, uh, like with the younger guy. We're a big believer that pranks and, and trash-talking another guy yeah. is sometimes uh, sort of its own form of corrective behavior.
3: Mm-hmm. Like sometimes
0: mm-hmm. you'll give a guy specifically so that he'll stop doing whatever it is that he's doing,
2: uh, and uh, sometimes young guys need that. Is that part of that for you? There's there's a culture in motor racing. I mean, to do this job, you you can't look at a clock. Uh, you can't be in a hurry. You, you have a job to do. You, ha- you have to get it done. And there, I don't know, there's an underlying... Uh, sentiment it's a culture of you know we're here to do do the job and it doesn't matter what things throw up get thrown up in our face yes, right, and right. i use i use this analogy too and it's probably a strange analogy but 2 years ago i broke my back i was in a body cast i went back to work how that happened. and uh old injury okay uh, and i went back to work after a couple 3 weeks and we were working on a project and i got down my knees to help and my back went into terrible spasms and so I just rolled over and laid on the floor. Now, any place else in the world, if you work for Bank of America or something, they'd be having potluck dinners for you. There'd be prayer <laughs> groups. <laughs> you know, there'd be a GoFundMe page. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah, uh-huh. uh-huh. yeah. Yep. I'm lying on the floor like a turtle. Yeah. And the guys are just stepping over me so they can get their work done. <laughs> just step back over me because I'm kind of in the way. Like yeah. Like yeah. in the main thoroughfare. Right. Someone want to move yep. this? Yeah. So it's a, yeah. Yeah. There's a there's an entire d- different. Uh, landscape culture uh, environment if you will absolutely uh, within this industry hmm and that's what you know My wife reminds me on a regular basis, you know, you don't work in the real world I mean there's these are not 40 hour a week people. These are all very very special um, Very accomplished people
1: does she do anything in the industry?
2: No, she doesn't her family was involved in amateur racing her okay. dad's actually a fairly accomplished amateur racer back in the 70s and 80s and and uh, he earned his living as an airline pilot, flew for uh, United Airlines for his entire career.
1: Yeah, so she knows a little bit of what goes on behind oh, yes. the scenes when it comes to funny behavior. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Very much yeah. so. <laughs> Very much, huh? How'd you guys meet?
2: Uh, I w- met her through Steve Knapp. I actually met oh, her at oh, Steve okay. Knapp's wedding. Okay. Okay. There you go. Yes, many, Another many long time ago. guy. Yeah. yeah, and also oh. racing related. And everybody yeah, knows yeah. everybody. I mean, when I first started dating her, she was living in Chicago. I was living in San Francisco at the time. It's I like walked into the story. house. Yeah. I walk into the house. There's all these black and white pictures of my dad from the old days, uh, and it turns out her father's best friend, uh, Tom Stefani, his family owned Nicky Chevrolet, and Nicky Chevrolet yeah. and Dan Blocker yeah. were my dad's sponsors back in oh, the cool. US. That RC. is incredible. That's incredible. So yeah, everybody on that. knows yeah, yeah. everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan Blocker actually m- was my sister's godfather. I mean, it's it's a small world, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it's
1: a pretty small world. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. That's
2: funny. Interesting. So, Sean, you live in California? I do. I live in Pasadena, but I grew up uh, just south of San Francisco in San Bruno. Okay. So, So I used to live in Pasadena as well. Oh, I did. Right over by Caltech. Actually, the house where we lived, Caltech now took over that land. Oh, okay. That's not far from where I
1: am. So, yeah. yeah, So, you were born in Canada?
2: Born in Montreal, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah, When I was um, quite young, my dad got a job with uh, John Meekham to race the, you know, the US RRC yeah, car. Yeah. The very first Lola T70, beautiful car. And it was c- going to be a two car team. And I think he did one race in it at Sebring, where the car broke while they were leading. Mm. And then the second race, I think, Volkan Hanks and I think destroyed the thing. And my dad went, oh, sh- I don't have a job. Right. So he wound up in Pasadena uh, with this Nicky Chevrolet, Dan mm-hmm. Walker thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Where did his interest in racing come from? My dad? Yeah.
2: You know, I don't even know if I can answer that. He was always car crazy. Yeah. Um, from a very young age, uh, his his story is a little bit odd too. Like, I should preface it like everybody in my family has yeah. a very bizarre story. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Well, John uh, this, John Cannon seems like a wild guy. Yeah. yeah. He was a character in search of an audience. <laughs> 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 you know, he this d- is something we understand. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, but he. He, for lack of a better description, grew up from very early age in boarding school. My grandfather was a major in the British Army and was a real-life spook. Wow. And in World War II, they moved all the kids up to the north of England, so he went to school there. Mm-hmm. Never really had a father figure. His mother died when he was a year and a half old. Okay. Um, so he went from there to RAF Cranwell to become a, a pilot. Ultimately emigrated to Canada to become a bush pilot and hopefully earn enough money to go motor racing back in the U.K. Wound up racing in Canada, starting with amateur stuff and then... In 1962, that would have been this big break. They had the uh, Canadian Grand Prix at most support. So they had a lot of big names. Roger Penske, I think, won at Roger Penske was there. Dan Gurney, Maston Gregory. Mm. My dad was in this home-built thing called a Daylou. Yeah, Daylou Mark 1. That's the one. Yep. Yeah, it had a 327 Chevy in it. And uh, I think he qualified fairly well. Came the race day, it started raining. And uh, lo and behold, first lap comes around, and here's dad leading and these, all these international stars. And that kind of put them on the map. That same year, he went down to Nassau and did the Speed Weeks, put it on pole mm-hmm. against Olivier Jean Dubien's Ferrari wow, that just yeah. on, won at Le Mans. Yeah. They won the thing called the Governor's Trophy, which is kind of the sprint race on Saturday. <laughs> on Sunday, they fi- filled up the car for the first time. 63 gallon tank. <laughs> off they go. And it rubbed a hole in the tank and set the whole thing on fire, and it burned it to a crisp. Good, good, yep. So good. that was into that, but yeah. that put him on the map, and he did some rides with a variety of different yeah. uh, manufacturers. Uh, and then after that, his star started to fade away a little bit, and became an independent. And mm-hmm. uh, at the time of his 1968 Laguna Seca Can-Am race, he was working as a used car dealer. Yeah. 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 And and then then he started his whole career. Yeah.
1: Is that the race he won? That's, yes. Yeah, he won the Can-Am Race at Laguna in the rain, right? Yes, yeah. in 1968, Yeah, in, yeah. in a three-year-old yeah. And that's against car. like big, brand-new factory efforts, and he wanted an older, kind of crapped-out car, basically. It was an
2: old, clapped out yeah. privateer car. Yeah. Didn't have, you know, 360-cubic-inch Chev versus, you know, 427s. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've got several world champions um, mm-hmm. and Formula One drivers in this crowd. Um, one of the things probably not known, really all that well-known, is that Jim Hall had a had a, a part in that win because my dad just had like this one helper guy. Yeah. The two weeks before that had been working at the parts counter at yeah, a Chevrolet dealership yeah, in yeah, New he Jersey. Yeah. Put food on the table. My dad talked him into coming with because he had nobody. They'd been out at Bridgehampton, and uh, Jim's car broke right at the start. The starter motor jammed, and Jim could tell these guys had no idea what th- this guy had no idea what he was doing. So Jim came down and ran the pit board for my dad and kept him informed. And
1: yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty crazy. So the level that your dad was competing at was absolutely international at this point. You know what I mean? He's competing against superstars yeah. of the time and in, like, really heavy machinery. Yes. You know, like, basically prototypes and top GT cars of that era. Uh-huh. I, the coolest thing I learned was that he raced with Fireball Roberts. Not only is that awesome, but he did it in the NART Ferrari GTO. Yeah, you know what th- I mean? Like the 250 GTO, which is one of the most expensive cars on the planet as we speak.
2: Yeah, one just sold 48 million dollars. Yeah, exactly. I expect it to go for even more. Yeah, yep. And that was that was the first car. That it's was just like the chassis number one oh, of, wow. all of the cars they built. Yeah, yeah very unlikely pairing. Yeah, you know, Fireball Faro- yeah. Roberts, I believe, Olf Rinder was in there, and, uh, and my dad. And, yeah. And, so where does yeah. Michael Cannon start showing up in this picture? Well, you know, it's interesting because people think, well, you know, I grew up at the racetrack. No, I didn't. Oh, in, uh, yeah, a little well, bit just on the timeline younger. alone, this is, yeah. this is going before you start showing up. Yeah, but I'll, go, yeah. I'll give you an example. I mean, In October of 1970, I went to Sebring. Yeah. They are doing the prize-giving. And you how they're old? My dad, I was eight years old. Okay. My dad had won the Formula 5000 championship, and that's where they did the prize-giving. So I have pictures of myself at, the, at this thing. The next race I went to was in 1976 at Watkins Glen. And that was the last time I saw my dad race. Wow. Yeah. So a 6-year gap yeah. followed by now. My parents had divorced around 1971, 72. I was young enough. I didn't even realize they were divorced because at at that time my dad was racing Formula 5000, but he had done uh, a couple one-offs in Trans Am, I believe. There were some sports car stuff, tried to qualify at Indy with a, with an older car. So, you know, he was gone so much. Yeah, How would you, you, you know? Like, know. How yeah, would you right, know, right? right. right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a yep. reality check for you. Yep. Yeah, I no. yeah. Yeah. yeah, when it's that much travel. Yep. So yeah. growing up, I mean, there was nothing I wanted to do more than become a pilot until I hit, I guess, about 12 or 13, built my first ever go-kart, which all I have, the chassis for the go-kart, the main frame, was the giant bloody great crate that my dad's championship trophy came in. So I stuck wheels on it, got the neighborhood kids to push me around. <laughs> so flash forward to 1983, it's... Wintertime in Montreal. Montreal winter is particularly brutal. And I read a little factoid at the top of the newspaper every day. You know, cheetah's the fastest land animal. Okay. I said, so th- the city that has the most similar climate to Montreal is Moscow. And we were right in the grips of uh, almost six weeks where it never got above zero. I thought, this is for the birds. My dad yeah. lives in California. Yeah. So I kissed my girlfriend goodbye, sold my Volkswagen Scirocco, it pocketed the cash. <laughs> <laughs> and Hugged off to Los Angeles. Nothing really. They just showed up at my dad's doorstep. He was surprised, but my stepmother was even more surprised. Um, and I should preface this by saying my father remarried, and this poor woman. <laughs> She'd been married to him For two years Before she found out That he'd ever been married Before much less Had two children Right oh, oh, wow. Wow. That yeah, was the yeah, surprise yeah. So yeah. She was already Kind of unimpressed Anyway <laughs> <Yeah>. I-, <laughs> well, I, st- I wound up Getting a job With oh. um, I just love that description. Like, Well that's the only thing I didn't tell you about <laughs> Also yeah. I have a kid Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give you another Example of my dad This is terrible <laughs> But, you know, this, this you have to know the rest of the family. Yeah. <laughs> My dad had a small airplane crash. in an experimental airplane, canard aircraft, wing swept back, prop in the back, very easy. He was living in McKinney, Texas at the time. And he was coming in to land, and they asked him to go just to throttle back a little bit, just maintain a little bit of a space to the aircraft in front of him. And the throttle... You have a quadrant on one side, and then down lower, you have like a vernier knob for fine adjustment. And okay. When he throttled back on the quadrant, the knob fell off. Oh, boy. So <laughs> that, that's not good. Well, <laughs> have to get that fixed. So when he went to throttle up again, well, the cable end was now in the sheath and jammed, and he couldn't get the thing to throttle up, okay. and the airport was not that close. Yeah. So he put it down in a field pretty hard, and, and it, it beat him up pretty good. Yeah. He said, oh, this isn't good, this isn't good. And then the TV people started showing up and that was even worse because my stepmom didn't know my dad owned an airplane much less two of them. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the <laughs> hit the fan on that. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. 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 The core of any relationship. <laughs> yes, exactly. <It's> <laughs> yeah, exactly. based on trust. It's, it's you know, communication. <laughs> yeah. And
1: uh, not telling that you have two and kids and yeah, airplanes. Yeah. yeah, two kids and so right. planes.
2: 1983, I, I wound up out there and um, my dad was kind of enough to get me a job as a sort of a helper with uh, Carrie Agapoo who was running uh, at the, what the time at the time was um, Theodore Racing for Teddy Yip. Oh, okay. And, and prior to this, you were full Canadian, grew up Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, enjoyed tinkering on cars, et cetera. Right, right. But, but you but, hadn't moved out of there, so to speak. Right. But yeah. Kerry needed a you know a strong back and a weak mind, and I I, I matched that bill, and uh, <laughs> so I started working for Kerry as a, as a as a mechanic and helper and God knows what. And the first race we did was with Tommy Byrne. Yeah. And then Former guest. Yeah. And uh, much many years later, I'd wind up running Tommy Byrne in a few IRL, well, sorry, Indy Lights races, um, back when it was um, uh, ARS series. And then, so after that, then Roberto Moreno had been in the series, and they were on financial shaky ground. So we took on Moreno. Uh, Tommy, I believe, went back to Europe and did some Formula One stuff for theater. So we wound up running Roberto that year, um, and that was actually... Pr- Pretty hand to mouth, too. Teddy was supporting the team, but sometimes it was hard to get a hold of Teddy. And I mean, It was to the point <laughs> the Elkhart Lake round in that year was a one day event. Shut up, Saturday, did practice qualifying race. And we're sitting here waiting for some money to hit the bank. Carrie's tapped out. Carrie doesn't have two nickels to rub together. The cars are in the trailer. We're just waiting to go. And it, it was myself when uh, these two lovely wonderful Kiwi guys, Wargake and John Madison, who uh, had come with Roberto. And they taught me a great deal about motor racing and and, and how to prepare a race car properly in a very short period of time. So we're all kind of depressed, and it's Wednesday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I was like, we're not going. I said, well, I got a shell credit card. (laughs) 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 I could do anything! (laughs) So, Carrie very hurriedly scrolls down some directions to how to get from Van Nuys, California to Elkhart Lake, and basically says, Go across 80, go up this road, and when you see a right uh, big red barn, turn left there. Can't miss the track. So we just hopped in the thing, drove day and night. Well,
1: you had your phone. You could just put it in exactly, the phone, right? Yeah, yes. e-
2: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we drove day and night. Made it there. Um, qualified well. Off of a shelf first, credit card. Yep. Yeah. First <laughs> lap of the race it was Michael Andretti and uh, and Roberto on the front row. Race takes off. Come around the first lap. Neither of them are there So Jesus oh, no. This is not yeah. good Nick Krasinski yeah. And this old March Local guy Is leading the race About 30 seconds later After the After the Field goes by Here comes Moreno i hauling ass up At the end of the day He wins the race We win enough money To you know p- Pay the engine bills Pay me back We wound up spending Four days uh, At Siebkin's uh, Celebrating <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As one We're does some of that money back. Yeah. As one he, does Yeah exactly Yeah um,
1: I've had one of those four-day nights. Yeah.
2: Followed by a six-day <laughs> <Here's> morning. <laughs> yeah. Here's, yeah. A, here's another story. Here's a Seepkin story for you. For those of you that may or may not know about Seepkins, it's one of the most popular destinations, and especially in the 70s and 80s. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> summertime and in, in Wisconsin, can't do it. A lot of the uh, local universities, the young ladies that uh, uh, populate that the, the schools there wind up at Siegmund, Uh working as waiters, waitresses, desk people, etc. Yeah. Wisconsin is probably best, well known for their hospitality. Yeah, love (laughs) my neighbor. The friendliness of uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) of, uh, Mm -hmm. their citizens. So it was a very popular destination for the, you know, for us to uh, (laughs) to head to during (laughs) the year. It was hard to leave that place. Yeah, Uh, and this went uh, went on as I say for many years. So that was 1983, 1985. I was actually driving a formal Ford. Uh, on the SCCA weekend my mom had called so I'd love to see a race and I said well just come up to Elkhart I haven't uh, you know just come on up for the weekend so I bought her a plane ticket out of Montreal and she shows up and get her checked in we get down into the restaurant and she's sitting in the dining room. She's looking around. She's like, this is absolutely lovely. I can't right. believe your father never brought me here. Oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a reason they're divorced. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I'm hearing a theme <laughs> with your dad. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Sounds like character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: speaking of you driving Formula Fords, the, there, there was a reference to you in, in an article that's out there as starting your racing career on a con. Of yes. some sort. This is a recurring yep. thing with our yep. show that almost yep. everyone's career started in some sort of lies. So, yeah. what, what is the Michael Cannon?
2: Oh, I had met uh, Thomas Knapp, oh. and I met. My con wasn't, on the people that were kind enough to supply the race car. My con was with the organizing body because um, prior to me getting my SCCA license, in the past you did either racing school, or you did SCCA school, and they gave you your license to go racing. I didn't have very much money, and I, I was working uh, for a guy named Bob Stalker, and he was importing Mondial Formula Fords. I think he sold four of them, all of them to himself. This is the time when the Swift came out, right? Yeah, so, I mean, we're getting clubbed like a baby harp seal out there, trying to flog these things, and our, our selling point was $2,000 less than a Swift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a, right. that's a reason. Yeah, that's a, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of a con. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, so... I had limited funds in order to do this stuff, and you know, Bob was underwriting this stuff. So I did the Skip Barber School. Uh, I'd worked for them for a short while, and they'd put me through that, and then I did an SCCA regional school, and then I was going to go and do some more racing. And they informed me that I wasn't going to get my license until I did another school, and I couldn't afford to do it. And it was getting late here the year and everything. So, yes, I did. I entered my first two races under an assumed name and then proceeded to do quite well on them. So, And a lot of people where I was racing over in the Central Division knew who I was. <laughs> they are looking at me and looking at the name on the car, <laughs> looking at the timesheet. Yeah, uh, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Ultimately, uh, I did get that resolved and did race under my own name for a while. Okay. What was yeah. the name? Robbie Stalker, Jr. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. you sure. gave yourself a junior. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. The yeah. famous Stalker family. Yeah, yes. right. So, yes, right. There's, a,
2: there's a few grid sheets out there with Robbie Stalker, Jr. at the top. Yeah. Everybody's going, hmm. RSJ. Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: So in true fashion, a con to start your career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my engineering career is based on a con. Oh well, that that's Here probably we what, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you know me, you're like I, I, I can see that. No, right, right
1: away, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Proceed. Yeah, how do we how do we con our way into engineering? It seems like a harder thing to... Yeah, so like I didn't like we can't get away with it.
2: I didn't con my way into it. Um, <laughs> Just the last couple of years. <laughs> 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 you, do you know when I, met, when I first met with Michael and with Chris and Anna and Scott? Yeah. I, I tried to make it clear. It's like, look, you know, I did not finish school. I dropped out of school. Yeah, um, I'm a tuner. This was like, like three store. years ago <laughs> when you've already had like
0: 20 years of Champ Car and IndyCar. Right, right, yeah.
2: But I wanted to make sh- make sure they understood what they were buying into. Because yeah. prior, yeah. To, you know, I effectively started as a race car mechanic, right? So yeah. I'm going along. Yep. In 1980 st- 1986. We had turned Stalker Racing into a prep shot, and we had several customers running Sports 2000. Uh, We had a four-car Sports 2000 team. Actually won the championship with Steve Knapp that year. Um, And one of the customers was... uh a very well-to-do guy out of Florida, Scott Schubert, who you might know from... My dad worked with him. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you very much. That
1: was the, the McDonald's uh, sponsor spice, card. Yeah, yeah, the Spice. Yeah, yep. the Camel Lights Championship That's 89. right. Run by Phil, Look at this. With Phil Crichton. Phil Crichton and, yeah, Fiona. Yeah. Did you meet? Did you know Fiona, his, yes. his wife at the time? Yeah. me. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Linda kids. Ludman. Yeah, Linda Ludman. So anyway, about. Scott... Man, small world.
2: Scott says to me, I've bought this data acquisition system. Penske's got one, and I've got one. And so this thing shows up. <laughs> it's about the size of a coffee table yeah. without legs. Yeah. And it's got all these wires running out. It's got eight channels. And we've got a TRS-80. And he says, I've got to find somebody that can run the computer. Well, my roommate in school was into computer sciences. So I'd, I'd actually seen a computer like from across the room. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it I'd, was the other half of the room. Yeah, Don't worry. I know about computers. <laughs> 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 so we went down to Savannah, Georgia. In those days, what you had to do for the car to know where it was on the track is you had these mm-hmm. one inch wide by eighth inch pieces of magnetic tape that you would then take racer tape and tape down onto the track. If you've ever been to Savannah, it's very, very sandy. So you're sandy. basically making like beacons. You are points, making right? beacons, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the car sort of picks those off and it sort of can generate a map from lateral acceleration. I think we had eight channels. So we had steering, throttle, engine RPM, et cetera. Wow. So we've got this TRS-80 and we're taping the stuff down. Yeah. And of course the sand just, just gonna come yeah. up and everything. <laughs> And so Scott would go out, and of course, the, the underbody of the car, there's always yeah. negative pressure, and it would suck the tape up, so you go back out and yeah. spend hours taping this stuff down. After a couple of days, we had basically three laps of data. <laughs> <laughs> but it was exciting, because you'd say, never seen it before. Right, that must have been amazing. <laughs> but we must have looked like the biggest idiots, because it was hotter than <laughs> buggery. So I had like these these Pacific Coast shorts on. In sandals, and we had cat flea collars around our ankles because I have a terrible red ant problem yeah, down there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No shirt on because it's so hot. And plus, we've got this big cardboard box over the monitor, yeah. and then blankets over our head so we can actually see the squiggly lines. Well, so that was cutting edge, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> it really was. <laughs> yeah. So this will you know, never last. <laughs> you know, that, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a fool's game. But yep, you know, come 1989. Um, we had purchased a Commander data system for the um, ARS car we were running out of Genoa Racing in San yeah. Francisco. Yeah, yeah. We uh, were running Vinicio Salmi, and we actually we put a data acquisition s- system on the car and showed up at the first race of the year, and they wouldn't let us run it. It took three year, uh, three events before they would actually let us run it. Just because it was too much technology? Or yes, they, they thought it was an escalation in the costs, etc. Yep. Yeah, okay. And yeah, quite right. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But um, fr- from... From 1986, the start, you know, sort of just everything just sort of creeps along yeah, slowly, yeah. and then really at the end of the day, one PI came out with um, their very mature software, and all of a sudden the stuff was it was robust, it was well done. Then it was like the, the the gates just opened, right? It's funny you said that.
1: You by the end of this whole test, you had like three laps of data. Yep. But you guys must have been stoked about three
2: laps of data, right? It was pretty neat to see. We weren't yeah. sure what to do with it. We, you know. And if you think about it, it was pretty rudimentary, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got throttle steering, RPM. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of great, not a great deal you can do with it. Um, but it was a start. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, yeah. and you had to see that it had the. Yeah, you start to use, start using your imagination. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. uh, and the con,
0: so to speak, for you kids is somebody says, anybody know how to use this thing? You raise your hand, and say, I do. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just so you can find your niche.
1: Yeah, yeah. So then when you sit down with the with the the Ganassi, you know, mainstay. What do you what do you tell them about dropping out of
2: school? Oh, I mean, I was twenty one years old and somebody said you could drive a race car. Yeah. Twenty years old. <laughs> what yeah. are you going to do, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and if you think about Mike Hull's background, exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> drop of a hat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the exact same thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So, so Mike Hull was in, but then Dixon's like, no way. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> I, I will say that. You know, Ganesi's a you know, r- very well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. Just You can't believe how many very, very bright people work there. I mean, just Ev- everybody that works there is sort of at the top of the pyramid sort of people. Yeah. So mm-hmm. my job going in was uh, was definitely a lot easier than what you would imagine. Right. Um, <laughs> was I shitting my pants when we went to Texas for the first race? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it worked out. It did. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, you know, there's a lot of pressure. I mean, that that is a a, a very successful team with a very successful driver. And uh, you're the new guy on the block, and I really hope you don't do anything stupid. And Mm -hmm. thank God it worked out.
0: All right. Well, let's set that I mean, so we're jumping up here several years. But uh, to set that context, so Scott Dixon's sort of race engineer had been Chris Simmons forever. Uh, And then Chris kind of gets elevated to more of an administrative role within the technical department. You get assigned to Scott Dixon's role as race engineer. Now, here's the thing. Um, Chris and Scott were notorious as being a second half of the season duo, like the second half of the season is when Scott shows up and all of a sudden wins championships. You guys win your first race together. Yeah. Is Chris Simmons like, mother or Like, is there <laughs> a side no. of him that's like, ah, I
2: kind of were hoping they wouldn't win out of the gate. Well, can, oh, no, no. can you win? No. <laughs> no, no, because I can't tell you this for sure, but, you know, I, I think that Chris very much, Chris and Scott very much had a hand in deciding who was going to be there and they wanted me. Yeah, And yeah. so if they... Not done well. It was going to reflect poorly on them. Um, that, right, and I for think sure. at the same time, I mean, they had the confidence of knowing that they had a very, very good team. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You just need somebody to come in and not do anything stupid. Yeah. And uh, as I say, fortunately, it, it worked out. And, and I will say that, you know, Chris is very much involved um, on the race car engineering side. On the race weekends, he is—he is right behind me on the timing stand. Yeah. We yeah. talk all the time. We bounce ideas off of each other. If there's anybody brighter in the paddock, I've not met them. Um, I I can see why Scott and and Chris and any of the drivers that Chris has worked with have had a lot of success. He's a very, very capable guy. (laughs) So you started
0: your career on the engineering side by lying about your knowledge of a system that you didn't really know about right if a uh
2: but if you think about it the technology was so new oh no one knew yeah right
0: i'm not i'm not faulting you there was nobody that. to call you out here's my question so, so right. yeah. if if a 21 year old intern comes in saying he understands some new software that you guys don't have a handle on just yet uh-huh. will you have the same patience with him that you would have had with yourself
2: well i don't know the answer the question <laughs> i really don't know how to answer that yeah um no. <laughs> we, just remember, in, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. a little knowledge is better than none. none. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. sure. Right.
3: Okay. okay.
0: <laughs> so you're driving. You're, you're a faux engineer. Uh, at what point does engineering become the direction for you?
2: Well, so circling back, so I, I'd done – we'd done this um, – prep shop back in 86 and 87. 88, I moved to Indianapolis for a year, and I ran Paul Radisich in Super V. And Paul and I got along quite well. We were living together in an apartment here. He went back to New Zealand. I'd gone back to Montreal. And uh, phone rings, and he says, I'm going to do the Tasman series down here. Why don't you come down and do this thing? Okay, so I went down. Had a lovely time. New Zealand still remains my favorite place I've ever been. And flying back, the plane stopped. In San Francisco. I thought, you know, I love San Francisco. I've been there once with, before with my dad. And I'm just going to hang out here for a while. I couch surfed with a friend of mine, Stefan Dvornik. Stefan and I had run the Car 4 pole down in uh, New Zealand. And I was there for about a week. And Angelo Farrow, who had just come off winning the uh, Formula 3000 championship with Ivan Capelli over in Europe with under the Genoa Racing banner, was going to start up uh, a team in San Francisco, Marin County of all places. And so, uh, Stefan and I met with him and uh, started up as a one-car ARS team with Venetia Salmi driving. Um, a couple of years later, we hooked up with John Delapena. Angelo was sponsoring that, and that's where we ran Jim Vassar in Atlantic. And uh, Jimmy won a bunch of races. I think he won every race he finished bar one, where he finished second. The rest of them uh, there were failures in the car. Um, '94, we ran Greg Gray in from the Atlantic. 95, 96 we did uh, Indie Lights, first year just with David De Silva, second year Mark Hotchkiss joined him. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end of that, 1997, I got a call from David Emprion, mm-hmm. who had known from Formula Atlantic, and they were looking for somebody at Players Forsyth to run Lee Bentham's Lights car. Right. They right. two, going to two-car yeah. team there. And right. as if I'd be interested, I spoke to the Players people and they had me over there. And so I wound up in an office with Lee Dykstra. Oh, yeah, uh, terrific guy, very very knowledgeable, very accomplished, well uh, designer, engineer. Yeah, yeah. I learned a tremendous um, uh, amount of engineering processes, etc., from Lee, and that was that was the beginning of me just bec- becoming f- solely focused on engineering a race car. That was what I was brought in to do. Sure, and what
0: would you say you were prior?
2: Uh, I was jack of all trades. You know, I'll, I'll yeah. give you an example. Nineteen ninety-four, when I was running Greg Ray, you know we. I was one of the mechanics on the car. I ran the data system. I built the dampers. I dialed the dampers. I drove the semi. Uh, We were jack-of-all-trades in those days.
0: And Indy Lights Atlantic team of that time. It sounded like that's probably what everybody was. There was no front-end mechanic and rear-end. Correct. Everybody did what you did to get the car on the track.
2: Yep. And even when I was at Player's Foresight, I was building the dampers for all the lights, cars, etc. And uh, at the end of 97, they decided they were going to add a second IndyCar and that was with Patrick Carpentier who I, I knew from my Atlantic days so I went in as the assistant to Lee Dykstra and we did that for two years and then uh, they decided to move Lee into a technical director position and asked if I would take a run Pat's car so I took over as the engineer on Pat's car in 2000 <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I remember the first race we went to we went to a homestead that was the first race a year we tested there back in those days I mean it was unlimited testing right you're out there all the time and we we did the first practice session, and Pat was quickest. And I remember walking back to the trailer, feeling that's not too bad, right? Yeah, he's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, not this. a great deal. No, this. No. Yeah. No, this it's, it's not deal. different than anything else. That right. was the last time we were quickest in a session all year. But <laughs> fortunately, you know, I was able to get able to get Pat a couple wins the following year. If you remember, Mid <laughs> you know, Ohio yeah, and Cleveland. The deal, yeah, yep. yeah, and then 2003, obviously worked with uh, with Pat and Paul Tracy. Um, I, early on the year, I was responsible for both cars. Uh, we'd lost Paul's engineer. He decided to go do something else. So I was doing that along with Tony Sicali. And Tony would just come in for the race weekends, but I'd prov- provide the bones for it. Yeah. Then we got Todd Malloy to come in and uh, and take over on the car. But we had a successful year there. And then from there, if you remember, at the end of 2003, it was questionable. Like, what was going to go on with cars. Right. What is this? And yeah. I'd been approached by the Herdes people. Uh, Keith Wiggins, and uh, he said, look, come hell or high water, we're going racing. Whether we have to go IRL, we'd like to stay in Champ Car if it exists, cart if it exists. So I went over there and did two years with him there, and I I, I quite enjoyed working with Mario Dominguez. I, he's he's uh, still one of my sentimental favorites. Um, very, uh, vastly underrated. And uh, then at the end of the two years there, uh, Forsyth asked me to come back, so went back there for 2006. And that was the year that we ran Mario, and then they switched over to AJ, and AJ Hiddle had all that success. Um, you got a t-shirt. You got a t-shirt out of it. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and penicillin. And then at the end of that year, Keith Wiggins called me back up again and says, I've hooked up with Paul Stoddart. He has, a, right. he has a private 737. Would you like to go to the races in the 737? I thought, well, worse ways to get there. Yeah, believe Yeah. So, I wound up there in uh, 2007 with uh, Keith Wiggins. Okay.
0: That was the minority champ car, whatever that was That called. was it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Robert Dornboss. Oh, yeah. yeah. Bobby yeah. D. Yeah, and I had <laughs> met Robert. Um, we'd done a test at the end of 2006 to try and find somebody to fill the Forsyth car. AJ was going off to cup racing. So we did an audition out at Motorsports Ranch Houston with four different drivers. And uh, that's when I first met Simon Paginow. And Simon was the last guy to go, and I mean he hadn't even finished doing his first outing, and we were on the phone like this is the guy. But Robert was one of the guys there too, and Robert's name was mentioned as one of the candidates f- for the OzJet ride, and so that's how we got hooked up
0: there. Have you followed Bobby D's career since then? You're you're familiar with all of his business ventures? Yes. Good man. Good. I feel like we don't talk
1: about this enough. He might be in the market to do like a driver's drink bottle slash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. A <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Wow. So we sat down with the Almond Digger.
0: What, like like two days, ago feels, days like, ago? feels like six Black weeks air. ago. Yep. Yeah.
1: And uh, he gave you a lot of credit for the success that he had when he switched over from Resport. Yeah, that's very really Kind to, to of. To a... for Forsyth. Uh, one of the quotes was, he made me what I was there. He would say, in your words, you go ring the shit out of this thing and we'll be fine. Yeah. There was no, like, what do you think you need to do? It was like, just go drive it as hard as you can. Trust in me, and we'll be, we'll be good to go.
2: And yeah, I mean, he was fortunate. He stepped into a you know a good, experienced team, right? Um, I remember I had never even met the guy. He shows up at Portland on Thursday, and I'm sitting there sort of explaining to him, look, historically, we've not been all that sparkly at Portland. But we had a test here. Dominguez did a very good job of sorting the car. We think it's a little bit better than what we normally had. And I explained to him my philosophy on how a, a a champ car should be set up and said so yeah you know, you're gonna go out there and, and it is going to understeer you're just gonna have to live with that we'll take the hand of god to move the back of the thing he said, okay fine so he went out did the first session came back and he's like you're right like, wow this thing's just stuck to the ground you can do anything you want with it and he went on a tear and then you know we were yeah you know, we were really fortunate to get him. He's a remarkable talent, yeah. and uh, he called us at a time where uh, the team was definitely hitting on all cylinders. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah we did have good competition in the series. Uh, obviously, Sebastian was there, but uh, no, it was just the right time, the right place, and my, uh, my only advice to AJ is just keep doing what always worked for you, like you got to this place because of your ability. Just keep doing what you're doing, and and we'll work around it. And it, and it seemed like he responded well to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: But uh, so you, you outlined kind of an interesting thing with that car, which I wonder if this is true for everything, is is so you went in saying this car is going to understeer. Um, and, and why that matters to me is that that indicates to me that you sort of look at this is what the car is, this is the platform we need to build it around to make the most out of this car. Rather than chasing down a driving style or dri- chasing down a, a way that... Everybody wants to go, ahead. this is how the car goes fast, so baseline, this is what it's going to be, and then we'll make little adjustments to that. In other words, some engineers may spend their entire careers chasing down what makes a driver happy. It almost sounds like your baseline is almost like, this is what I think makes the car happy, and then we'll adjust to how you can fit within that parameter as a driver.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, these cars sort of work one way, um, so you have to kind of be in that ballpark. And what happened, for example, at Portland or at Cleveland, where he subsequently won, we were just fortunate we put a car that was quite close on the track, and his expectations and his driving style just suited that car. It worked out well. I wouldn't, wouldn't, none of us that do this would ever put a car on the track and just say, you know, that's it. Go deal with it. It, it You can't get any better than this. Maybe that goes on other places, but uh, no, you've got to tailor it for... Obviously, what's going on with it? the weather, track conditions, and the certain expectations of the drivers. Uh, there's some guys that can drive with a car that may be dancing around the back a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Some guys that need the, the rear glued to the ground. Uh, Sebastian Bourdais, same thing. If the rear's moving around, the rear's talking to him. He doesn't want to know. So,
0: obviously, then the serious shake-up happens, and, uh, you know, we we're not necessarily a career retrospective show in the sense of we're three guys normally hanging out but obviously on the engineering side you're not making headlines with a lot of the drivers that we meet with are, so i do think your career is is relevant but during that time like one of the things that i remember you getting a lot of credit for with somebody like aj for example is that as you just laid out for us you drove and you came from a dad that drove and and so the the reputation that you have is as one who understands driver's better than maybe other engineers who didn't drive.
2: Well, you say that? But I mean Chris Simmons is an accomplished race car driver. Well, I didn't, uh, Eddie I, Jones, I, I, sure. Yeah. So there's this Well, Chris, plenty of yeah, I, I think, think
0: Chris Simmons's record is fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think winning 100 championships is is uh, is great, but but I'm really? just saying overall, I don't know right. if that's fair to say. Um but does do you feel like that's really helped you out in terms of coming from a driving background?
2: Uh, yeah, I would, yes, it's definitely a component. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Do you think it uh, for a guy that doesn't come from
2: driving in the modern era? Well, I will say, I remember when I first started um, running the car myself in 2000 with Carpentier, and I remember telling my wife, I do have a bit of an advantage because of the amount of experience I have as a mechanic, as everything on the car, and having driven. Ten years from now, I might be... Uh, a fossil. There's so many bright kids that were coming out of schools, out of these motorsports programs, and that continues to this day. The only thing that they lacked was just the gray hair, the experience of having seen so many things, because there are so many things that can go wrong. And uh, that was actually one of the discussions we had when I met with uh, the Ganassi guys, was just maybe putting some gray hair on the on the timing stand so we still had that. Hmm. And uh, Ageist. I think that <laughs> I, I remember walking back from qualifying at Indy this year after Scott was able to get a pole, and we did a, a last minute change, but I knew it was the right thing to do. And it's that was purely down to gray hair. Yeah. If you were fresh out of school, had been doing this for one or two years, yeah. you may not have come to the same conclusion. In terms so. of
0: like, I can see this little adjustment is going to make that difference because of yes. how the, the track changes. This is what four laps, right? Is, and yeah, yeah, and yeah, and
2: you're looking what other people are doing. You're doing lap, and you're looking at their lap times, and you know where your car is. And like, my car is not currently set up to go that fast, so I need to change something. But you're walking a fine line, right? Because it's got to go four laps. Right, right, right. Right, And you know, if it's eaten its tires by lap three, the whole thing's yeah. The first lap, the guy's terrified. Well, well, actually, it's not true. First lap, he's pretty impressed. Second, (laughs) you're starting to get warnings by the third lap. It's bad. Your heart's in your mouth. And if (laughs) if you remember, when Scott (laughs) finished up his run, we dropped off a fair amount, and he said that last lap was sketchy. Yeah. And and if that happened any earlier, we (laughs) would have been P two again, just like the year before. Right. Right
1: so so that's actually really surprised me i would have thought that it'd be more concerning you know that teams are not i shouldn't say concerning it's just surprising to me that teams instead of going we need the youngest freshest minds it's actually like we might need to put a little bit more veterans outlook on the top of this pit box
2: yeah but don't forget at the same time i am supported by all those young minds sure absolutely yeah yeah, we we have uh, a variety of programs that support the indycar uh, program and the imsa program and the extreme program um there, there is a, a very, very solid engineering foundation there, and uh, you know I don't need to be a designer because we do have a design group led by a very, very bright man. Um, I don't need to be an expert on electronics; we have our electronics people. So I'm sort of the t- the tip of, of all this information and all this support. Um, so I I focus on my little bit, and so does everybody else, and as a result, the team gets results. Yeah. So kind of going back a couple
0: steps. So you know, you, you do your time at Forsyth, then you move over to uh, I don't know, officially with the minority, minority team. yeah, whatever yeah, it's yeah, called, yeah, right? Yeah, yep. 737 team, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, and then obviously the the, the merge happens, and you kind of you kind of jump around. But you know, the teams were Forsyth, but Forsyth early to mid 2000s Champ cards. so yes. you know, it, where I'm going with this is you know Dale Coyne recently, relatively smaller teams. Uh, I mean, that's a relative statement, but from Forsyth,
1: uh, from, from Forsyth. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: no. Mm-hmm. I mean, where I'm going with this is to Ganassi today, yeah. which mm-hmm. is yeah. a huge, powerhouse. huge powerhouse. Yes, a lot of layers of management. Mm-hmm. So how much of a cultural change is that for you?
2: Not not that big. I mean, yeah. it took me, it took me one or two days to to work out very quickly that there were a lot of things that I didn't need to worry about. Okay. And you're okay with that, because yes. a guy who's As out there. the smaller there, teams you do where Well, and that's counts. where I'm going. Like yes. a guy
0: who's working for Genoa uh, mm-hmm. is a guy that's, you know, working on the front end here and then going to drive the truck yeah, and then taping wherever you have to. Yeah, taping Correct. down your yeah. your your makeshift beacons. Like <laughs> uh, sometimes that guy doesn't yeah. want to move away from that because you can almost become a micromanager of your own little world. Mm-hmm. And that's a much bigger adjustment compared to, I'm just going to do these four things at Ganassi
2: and and hopefully that's enough. Uh, yeah. And again, like I said, you know, there are, there are a lot of things. I don't need to do that. We have experts in yep. place. Okay, yep. so just you need to focus on what you're meant to be doing.
0: I don't know if this is a fair question, but you know, there are technologies in the sport now that didn't exist 20 years ago or even 10 <laughs> years ago. You know, simulation stuff, that kind of thing. For older engineers, are there things out there? Obviously, you're not expected to know every detail of all these new softwares and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But are there technologies out there that you just can't wrap your head around? Is that part of aging as an engineer?
2: No. I mean, again, you're surrounded by enough uh, bright people that do have experience with this. So right, for yeah, example, yeah. simulation is a perfect example. Yeah. To me, it's a bit of a black box. Right. Like right. if you don't understand
0: how this works, it just works.
2: Right, yes. Right. But we do yeah. have people that support that program. And and even there, there's some hidey holes. It's very, very complex, right? So it's, it's very easy to have a math error, um, a, a lookup table error in all your data that will lead you astray. Um, but for me, you know, I use it as a tool like everybody else does. And uh, I don't need to know how to code. I don't need to know all the ins and outs of how the hydraulic system runs uh, the, 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 the pod. On the pod. yeah, yeah, cetera, yeah. Right? Yeah. I need to be an end user that has enough uh, confidence that it's a well-vetted machine and that we're using it um, within its limitations. Sure. Right? It's yeah. a bit like using it. let not just using solely sp-
0: focus on this one th- tool to falsely lead us down the wrong path. It's a bit like
2: a screwdriver. It says on the side, this is not a pry bar. So, You've know, you yeah, got to that, understand yeah. what your tool is yeah. Well anything's a hammer if you swing it hard enough That's exactly <laughs> well, right
0: wait, like, when, we, when we sat down with Craig Hampson uh, a couple of years ago the, the thing that stood out to me with him Is that his strength is that he is fundamentally good with methodology
3: mm-hmm. you know, and, yep.
0: that, and that's not going to change you know, The tools may change within that system But the methodology is ultimately how he's going to succeed And I get the impression that's probably not too different from how you're looking at things you know, C- Craig he's came like, in. He's like, don't you dare call me Craig Hampson. A kid. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, don't you tell me how to engineer yeah, I, I'm genuinely <laughs> flattered. Actually. Does he have a t-shirt like this? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Craig has the benefit of a, a formal education than having worked at Newman Haas, around some very, very bright people yeah, over absolutely. the years, Pete Gibbons, uh, Guillaume Rockland that's now at Red Bull Racing, et cetera. So he learned, um, you know, very well-funded, very well-run, very well-structured environment, and, it, can, it you know, He's, that's where he learned his habits, out of school. And he continues to be very good at it. Um, I, I think we all try and work in a similar fashion, uh, but you know, everybody's different, right? Yeah, right. They're, they're, you, have, you
1: have a voice, you have a personality. So you've worked with just like the all-star list of drivers in IndyCar, you know, and if someone doesn't know that list, I mean, just a few off the top is Dixon, Canan, Bordet, Almondinger. Paul Tracy, Tagliani, Buddy Rice, Brian
2: Clausen. Brian Clawson. a lovely guy. Yeah. Yeah. When you look at all
1: these like really talented people that you've gotten to work with, what are the, the main personality traits that
2: stand out? Similarly, for the most part, these are people. Uh, one, they have tremendous personalities. But two, these people would be success at anything. Right. You know, if they had a shoe store, mm-hmm. they'd have a chain of shoe stores internationally. Yeah. Um, these are high achievers. Yeah. They're very focused. Very driven. Uh, very, you know, above average brightness. So I th- I'd say that's a common thread. There's yeah. a lot of these guys that would excel no matter what they chose to do. Are there any Brian Clausen memories that stand out? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just... Like, the year we ran Brian uh, at COIN, I mean, he was he was just super happy with the car. Just it was a lot easier to drive and he was able to actually concentrate on the driving. But we're, we we were religious about We had the four drivers that year. And we were religious about sitting down at the end of each day and having a meeting around a round table. And mm-hmm. the engineers and the drivers would sit and we'd let everybody know what we are doing. And Brian brought up something that my driver was talking about as well. Uh, and he, p- he picked up on what it might actually be from his vast experience. Uh-huh. Turned out he was right. He had a solid race with us. The day after the race, he came in. He and I sat down and we started formulating plans for the following year. And I was just super excited to have the guy back because yeah. I knew... The, the first couple times he'd done it, he felt like he wasn't getting his brain around uh, what it took to go quick at the place and was starting to doubt himself and our car turned out to be quite an easy car to drive, it was a comfortable car to drive yeah. and so all of a sudden he found his voice and found his feet and so we had laid these plans out and, yeah. and then uh, it was shortly thereafter that he lost his life and I was just devastated.
0: On a, a guy like that, who doesn't come from a data-driven series where it's seat of your pants, kind of figured out and make mechanical changes, uh, how much of it, how much of the process for him learning to get up to speed and just thinking about the future for this type of driver, how much of the process for them is somebody like you having to educate them on what the tools are and how to use them, with with like data and understanding how to look at what you're doing and that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I mean. The drivers, as, as, and it's less so now, it's right. difficult because you don't have as many test days available right. in the junior formulas. Yeah. I mean, when I did um, Indy Lights with Mark Hotchkiss in 1996, I think we did 34 test days. <laughs> so the guys are there yeah. learning their craft. Yeah, right. So when they get to the big cars, they've learned a great deal from the junior formulas. Um, now, with the guys coming up, uh, they, they leapfrog up very, very quickly. Um, and then get thrust into these very, very quick cars. Off you go. Hope it turns out for you. Uh, we don't expect the driver to come in and be the race car engineer. That's why we're there.
3: Sure.
0: So
2: we try and hold their hands and educate them on the stuff that they need right. to look at. Um, I would say at Ganassi we spend a lot of time making sure they have access to the other driver's data, uh, in-car video, etc. Where I'm going with that
0: is, it is a, a guy like Alex, when he shows up, you know, any kid that's coming out of lights or somewhere in Europe or Japan or whatever, they already got a. Fun, if they're coming from open wheels, they already have a fundamental understanding of the basics of a data overlay, how to read what they're doing on that kind of stuff. A guy like Brian does not, in my opinion. Maybe I'm incorrect about this, but he knows it exists, um, and sure.
2: he can grow into it.
0: Right, and that's my point. It's like to me, you're a couple of years behind on even what a, a junior open wheel kid would know. Is that a disadvantage if somebody from USAC wanted to come up here or, or dirt?
2: Yeah, well, potentially, but at the same time, I mean, it doesn't take long to begin to understand there are a variety of tools at your disposal. So when you come in as a driver, you've just come out of sprint cars and midgets, you know the stuff exists, you, you read the trade papers, etc. You've got to, hopefully, you're bright enough to grab stuff with both hands, the stuff that, the the, the really big first order stuff that can help you. Um, work with your data engineer, look at the data, compare it to your, uh, to your teammates, have a look at the split reports, these are all pretty simple things, it's not hard to work out, sure. there's no uh, complicated math in it. Yeah,
1: and
0: if you're... Brian Class your yeah, you, you, you <laughs> yeah, exactly. right, you're smart enough
2: to that.
1: Exactly. You're competitive, so you'll figure it out. Yeah, 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 exactly. So one of the things that I, I've enjoyed about learning about you is that you seem to be very good at explaining hard to explain things to dumb people like ourselves. Um, a lot of engineers that have worked underneath you, like junior engineers, have given you praise for being really patient and and not not and being willing to answer any question. Like there's no question that you're like, I'm not gonna answer that or that's too dumb, you should figure that out. Does that extend towards People with arrogance. I imagine the people that are saying these things are the ones smart enough to recognize it. I, I, I think
2: you know arrogant, impatient people in in what I do. Yeah. they don't last very long. Man. Right, you, right. You you're in a team. You're in a very pressure-packed team environment everybody's been got to be pulling on the rope and if you mm-hmm. got one guy that's pushing yeah that right. is <laughs> not helping yeah and that person is not going to last yeah. very long yeah. so you got to learn to play nice with all the other reindeers yeah it's yeah. as simple as that yeah and you know i have seen some people talking down to uh newer members on the racing team and i've taken those people aside and say look these people are new they don't know anything they're relying on us to teach them So our job here is to elevate these people, make them as good as possible. And I'm probably, I'm working with somebody that will take my job in a few years. That's all very well and good. My job is to make sure they're they're well-educated, they're capable of doing the stuff. Um... While that's going on, I think it's just doing nothing but strengthening the team. Yeah, yeah, we're big proponents of
1: trying to get advice from people such as yourself in the industry for like the young engineer who might be listening to this in college right now or yep. you know, in high school or whatever, or, or even a mechanic or a future driver because you've obviously worked with literally the best guy I can think of in IndyCar um, and you would know pretty quickly if it was somebody you wanted to work with or not. Mm-hmm. So yep. any sort of advice you have for young up-and-comers, whether it's an engineer, driver, or mechanic, what is it that a guy like yourself or the people you
2: work with are looking for you know this uh, this is maybe a terrible thing to say but you know I've been responsible for hiring a variety of people over the years in different positions and when I go in to, to meet these people I already know they've got what it takes to uh, to, to do this job and do this job well. What I'm doing is meeting with them to find out if they're a normal human being. Is this somebody that's going to do well when we're thrust in a van and drive four hours to mid-Ohio, work old for three days straight, help pack the trailer, hot right. and sweaty, get back in the van, and that bitch. Right, so right? you're gauging can I hang out with yes. this person? Yeah. It, does this person have... The personality that will integrate well within the team. Because you're going to spend and months
0: shoulder to shoulder with these people. Exactly. And you yeah. might
2: ha- you might hire somebody. You're looking for a very specific skill set. And, and there might be a small gap in that skill set. That doesn't matter because you can fill that in. What you want is somebody that's a team player that's going to strengthen the team. You know, the rising tide raises all ships, that's what we're after.
1: Yeah. So if you have two resumes that one is much better than the other, but you sit down with both people, and the one that's got a bad attitude is most likely not getting the job over the other one.
2: Correct. Yeah, Yeah. and I think think that's the same for any of these teams. They understand that there's a dynamic that goes on there.
1: So on that level, if I'm 22
0: and I'm just out of school and I know everything, what is the best way to kind of lose your affection?
2: My affection. Yeah. What's You'd the break best up way lift. to what, yeah. <laughs> be a bad kid with two kids? No. What, so what's what's the
0: what's the best way to talk myself out of a
2: job? I don't think I've met anybody like that because again, we've been pretty fortunate uh, to, to be able to hire people that mesh well. Mm-hmm. There are people that do burn out, flame out uh, on the actual racing front of things. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. There's some people who are actually vastly overqualified. To have the position that they're in. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will give you an example with a name. In 2006, I was working. My assistant was Ben Schmidt. And Ben now heads up the whole simulation and technology department at Honda Motorsports, HPDI, or HPD. I saw him a couple days ago um, doing what he was doing as an assistant and waiting for me to either... Be fired, kidnapped by aliens, or (laughs) hit by a bus. He wasn't keen, you know. So he spent a couple years there uh, after I left. But you know, he got this position, and you know, extremely intelligent guy, very, very capable. Yeah. And so he found a different route with him. And there's there's several guys that that I have worked with that have gone on to have successful businesses uh, that are somewhat related, still reliant on um, income from motorsports. You've seen the sport go from
1: the most tobacco money probably ever jammed into a sport yes. to now where we're really struggling to find sponsorship. How much more fun was it when we had tobacco money? Because we're big fans of trying to get that back.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Over in DC was. So the well, idea yeah. is it's only motorsports <laughs> yes. that's allowed to have tobacco sponsorship. Just motorsports. Trying to save an industry. Right. Yeah. How much fun was it? Uh, again, I think I touched on that earlier. It was a lot more free and easy. Um, because you had the energy of youth. Mm-hmm. Right? We were just all so much younger. So. Yeah, right. right. It was a lot so easier that's to do for being
0: young not forgetting big tobacco money. Yeah. Right. yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything
1: that or any test that stands out in your mind where I'm like, man, I can't believe for 7 days we've been here at this track just burning tires down or whatever it
2: is because there were no rules on that kind of thing back then. Oh, yeah, we, we I'm you know,
1: looking One of for the, the things
2: in the United States obviously with the way racing season being the way it is, mm-hmm. There's only a few places you can test, right? You yeah. can go down to Sebring, Florida, you go out to Firebird. Yeah. And so, you know, you'd go out and do Sebring, and the driver eventually after four days is like, guys, i got to get out of this damn I'm going to kill you. I can't do this anymore. Yeah, right. So you go out to Firebird. Well, the problem with Firebird was it really didn't sort of apply to anything we did. Yeah. Um, and it chewed through tires like a son of a bitch. And I can remember going through 14 sets of tires in a day there. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Nope. But, you know, we did miles because in those days we're getting a new car every year.
3: Yeah. Right?
2: right. Um. Big upgrades the engine, um, yeah. gearbox. You know, it's every year completely redesigned yeah. gearbox. So yeah. you would go and you put miles on these things because yeah. inv- invariably something would fail, yeah, and right. you needed to know this before yeah. you yeah. went to the first race. So yeah. that's why we went down, and burned all these tires off.
1: Yeah, but that's
0: not the case anymore.
2: Now are you are you
0: happy or sad to see that gone?
2: Yeah. Mm, uh, I appreciate not doing 160, 180 days on uh, on, the, on road. the road. Yeah, yeah sure. it's yeah. down to 65 or 70 yeah, 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 nowadays, so right? right. it's pretty tolerable for the families. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had this knack when I first started to play with foresight. <laughs> for whatever reason, they would schedule schedule these tests like on a Monday, Tuesday, or a, a Friday, Saturday, or something. So your family be at home be the winter time and you'd bugger off for the weekend yeah right yeah right and I thought I went to management and said can we just adjust that a little bit yeah right I'd like to see my wife it's the time I can spend with them yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know we have we've reallocated resources right so we're not out there burning the car down Um, the car that we're running right now is a very mature car Mm -hmm. Um, you're well aware of what the potential failure points are so you've reallocated resources Um, we've got uh, dedicated simulation engineers. Um, we have very expensive programs that uh, utilize to do that. Yeah. So y- you've taken some of your resources from what you would have spent you know, flying out to Phoenix and doing all this stuff right. and, and, pu- and put them here. So uh, there's still you know similar financial demand. The trick is finding that money in order to do it, isn't it? Right. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Have you gone into one of these big simulation rooms and thought about Taping down fake beacons on a sandy racetrack. <laughs> I mean, like,
1: like, how, how did we get, we get here? Um, Half yeah, 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 right, right, uh, yeah, yeah, no shirt. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we we love learning about things that you know you wouldn't know because you weren't a part of a team. So we always ask, what's the driver that got the test that no one knows about? Like you mentioned earlier that Pagino got to go do one of those tests at MSR Houston. Yeah. Who's somebody that stands out that we would would not know got a test with one of the IndyCar teams you work with? Gee, I'm trying to think.
2: Marshall Pruitt. Oof. How'd that go? You know, Mark Hotchkiss' Indy Lights car? No, you got to do a couple laps. Mark uh, organized a... um, Uh, Employee day. Okay. I I believe his father was one of the people instrumental in getting that place built. And he brought his lights car out and let everybody drive it. And everybody was very sensible. And uh, Marshall said, I'd like to do some laps too. And (laughs) it looked like a a circus bear riding a tricycle, to be (laughs) honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) Look. He squozed himself in there. (sighs) But he was half out. The car only came up to his waist. I and mean, I said to uh, Tom Knapp was with me in those days, and I said, yeah. it looks like Marshall, sh- Marshall is a Alola. <laughs> but he managed to do a lap <laughs> or two. <laughs> he managed to do a lap or two underhanded like this. Oh, uh, man. man. The, the, the best thing that came out of that, in those days, we uh, pie, you had an annual yeah. license and service agreement. Okay. Yeah. It was like, I think, four or $5,000 per car. Yeah. You pay that every year. And <laughs> we're really smart. We got the pie guys to come out. And drive the car. Ooh. And we got yeah, bills for a couple of years. Yeah. So it was a good s- yeah, That, that yeah. is smart right there. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But no one comes to mind in terms of drivers that, you know. That we we
2: snuck in that you never heard from again. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the ones that really stand out for me, uh, I mentioned Simon Pagenaud, And yeah. then when we yeah. did the test with Paloo in 2019 yeah. with mm-hmm. Dale Coyne at Mid-Ohio. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was just sh- talked about shocked that. at yeah. the pace of the guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah he was saying that the, you guys go to the test at Mid-Ohio cars you know all over the place because the track's really crappy and you were making changes that he was shocked by
2: like everything was a big change when he's used to small changes yeah so we were talking about it before the test and after the test I said, you know one of the things that a lot of the guys that come over from europe aren't used to is we will adjust the car to suit the track and suit the driver to a certain extent you yeah. know, within what makes sense yeah but you know the thought of changing the, the rear geometry or, yeah, right. or something you know, fairly major like that was a yeah. genuine shock to him and uh, <laughs> uh, talking to him Santino ferrucci had the same thing saying uh, to say about having come from Europe uh, very recently where he was. Racing, it's very common for them to present you with a race car. Yeah. Off you go. Yeah. yeah. And if your teammates, you know, a bazillionth of a second quicker than you, yeah. then you're obviously not doing a very good job. Yeah. Right. And they're right. very reluctant to yeah. adjust it. Yeah. Talking to Alex, he was telling me a bit about his car rover in Japan. And the car had some particularly bad habits. And, and uh, they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't change the car. Yeah. And the engineer told him. Yeah, well, This is just the way the car is lovely and there's a guy that spent some time in IndyCar a very short period of time <laughs> Who was kind of legendary for that kind of approach? Huh. And I just threw that name out I said, sounds like Joe Smith and he said, how'd you know? Oh, <laughs> wow. Oh, geez. Yeah, that quick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah
1: Now do you think that's why when some of the people come over to IndyCar from overseas? and they don't know they can ask for big changes because maybe they're not a team Mm -hmm. that you're on. That's why a guy like Dixon always looks good against these big names like Erickson or whoever, because they don't know that they can take advantage of someone like yourself or
2: Chris to be like, hey, no, no, change the diff. You know what I mean? No, they learn very, very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the flip side of that coin is Sebastian Bourdais went over to race Formula One. Sebastian Vettel was his teammate. Obviously a very, very rapid kid. Sebastian came from champ car with working with Newman Haas with working with Craig winning a lot of championships a lot of races and he had a complaint about the car, the aerodynamic stability uh, of the car at higher ride heights the rear was unruly and he was very vocal about it well, they really didn't like hearing him pissing and moaning about this all the time and he ultimately wore his welcome out if you remember the race that that Vettel won his first race at Monza, yeah Sebastian had qualified third well, they sort of thought about what Sebastian was complaining about and started addressing it to stabilize the rear downforce in the car better, and lo and behold, things started going well. Sebastian's car broke right at the start. He didn't even get to go. The wins the race. And by then, like I said, uh, there was uh, obviously a faction within the team that they decided they mind. just didn't yeah. really want to hear him anymore. Yeah. But he was right.
0: I, I understand you work for Chip Ganassi, but I'm <laughs> going to ask this anyway. There's a culture you know we meet with a lot of nascar engineers and crew chiefs as well there's a culture within nascar when we ask somebody about their favorite kind of performance gray area that they exploit Mm -hmm. they always kind of snicker like yeah i'm kind of proud when i get that car through tech wow and (laughs) well played (laughs) um, is this like like nascar crew chief types really pride themselves on getting away with something do. yeah yeah we, like, in the sports car side, you don't do it. It's like, uh, oh, my God. And like, wh- are, are you proud of anything you've got through Tech? Because it, it, it seems like something that isn't talked about as much in, in your side of the fence. No,
2: not at all. Uh, I've had this conversation many, many times um, with a variety of guys. Um, you know, if you go back to the um, early 2000s mm-hmm. when Sebastian Borde was winning all right. these and races. And a much more and open rule book. And we, yeah, and we were yeah. finishing second and third to Sebastian. Yeah. He won these championships. I never thought... It never crossed my mind th- that they would be cheating. Right. And Craig's on the other side, and when we would win a, win a race, yeah, th- they would never cross their minds that we were cheating. Yeah, Craig, yeah. Craig's a cheating son of a bitch. Oh, let's just get this going. Yeah, let's, let's get, get this bad. rivalry. He's had Michael Cannon. Yep. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, to answer your question, no. I mean, everything's above board. And I will say, when I interviewed with uh, with Ganassi to take this position, I, I made it very clear to them that I'm, I won't do anything that's outside the rule book. Like, just so you know, you know we've been... We've had decent cars at Coin. It's because they're well set up. We're not doing anything illegal. I had no interest. They were like, perfect, good. We don't do that.
0: What I hate is that you're looking me in the eye with a very straight face, which makes me think this is real. Yeah, I believe it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've done some cool. One of the coolest things that I was ever involved in, believe it or not, let's go back to 1994. We are racing Formula Atlantic, and the tire supplier at the time had switched over from, uh, Biosply to Radial Tires. The first race of the year was at Phoenix. And they've had different... I was general racing with running Greg Ray. And uh, the, t- the tire manufacturer had done some tests at Nazareth, but it was with a team that wasn't particularly quick. And we knew what the lap times looked like that they had done at the test versus what we expected. It was like, okay, maybe it's a difference in tire grip, but it's not very fast. So we went and we did a private test, open test uh, at Phoenix early in the year with Greg. And the tires were just not man enough. I mean, they were chunking, dis- disintegrating, oh, wow. like yeah, a bad, state, bad, To the point of being a safety problem. Yeah, right, right. So, go pull the manufacturers. look, at these things and just come apart. Uh, They'll be fine. <laughs> oh, All right. Oh, I know this company. <laughs> yeah. At the Summer end, down. at the, <laughs> the pers- at the end of the preceding year, we had met this guy. He was a spectator at a race, and we just started chatting with him. And he had this business. Where he took an infrared gun, and he'd go around. And he'd look for. Heat problems in industrial equipment, bearings that are going to fail, overheated uh, wiring, electronics. That was what his company did. And he's a big race fan. Oh, that's awesome. I want to go to that guy's job. So we <laughs> thought about this and we got a hold of him. It's a business card. And we had him come out for the race weekend. We flew him out to Phoenix and he brought one of his infrared guns. And he sat in turn four at Phoenix. So we qualified in the poll with Greg the race goes. And so we're going. And we would worked pretty hard to make sure the tire temperatures were nicely balanced on the car, et cetera. And knew we could only push so hard. The driver, in sec- Richie Hearn, yeah,
3: yeah, for in sure. second,
2: starts hounding us, goes around us, and starts to pull away. But we're just managing our tires. And this guy's sitting up in the grandstand, and he's got a radio, and he radios us. And he says, his right front tire is getting awfully hot. And a lap and a half later, it popped and put Richie into the wall, and we won the race. Huh. So, yeah. you know, that's not bending the rules, no, but it's that, taking, like advantage taking advantage of something advantage that exists. Yeah, like that. Right, that's, yes, yes. having yeah. all the tools yep. available yeah. that
0: you didn't know were around. Right, so, right. yeah, that's yeah. racing. Yep. That's yeah.
1: That. We uh, we did a TV episode about Smokey Unic a couple years ago because yeah. he's one of our all time heroes. Yeah. Do you think the sport needs more Smokey Unic types that think way outside the box and come up with
2: unique solutions, sort of like the one you just described? Well, the box is getting awfully small. Right. So, right. now, you know, instead of building a, a 7 and 8 Chevelle, Something that Smokey was allegedly allegedly, f- allegedly. Right? There's a
0: great show that disproves that. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> I guess, okay, yes, but most people know these various legends, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, you're yeah. driving off of that
2: fuel tank, yeah, etc. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There is a so show that proves that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we've funneled our efforts into different areas. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. sci- um, technology is uh, far more uh, is used far more now mm-hmm. in this industry. Mm-hmm. There are g- logical explanations for the various projects that you're chasing, and so you've you've moved. You you're not spending the money. Reforming the the fender lines or right. acid dipping body parts, right, et cetera. Right? right. right? Yeah. You're working on logical, science-driven projects that will return, invest. You know, information that you can use. One of the things I'm a big proponent of is is trying to distill large amounts of information down to a single number, or a very understandable concept. So the, you have this metric that tells you something, right? That blob, that blob explains five different things. And you notice that the, every time we go fast, the blob is right there. So when you look at the metrics and there's a blob down here, you go, one of those five things in there is interfering, we've stepped away on that. So you, you're trying to- um,
0: Part of being at what, you, what you're referring to as the top tip, your, your yep. kind of role. So you can almost have information overload because you have okay. so much data. Do. So yeah. what's the worthwhile mm-hmm. data to look at? Exactly, yeah. exactly.
2: No, there's a, a, a staggering amount of information that's available to you. And on the, the race weekends, we have two practices and a qualifying. Uh, you have very little time between sessions. Uh, you're like a gunslinger in the wild. Are you just shooting just wildly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, your head spinning the whole time. It, it's very difficult when you get to the end of the day.
0: This is more of a philosophical thing, but um, the current nature of IndyCar racing is, it's not spec, but it is a very small, small box you is. guys are working within, and it's going to continue to go that way, and that was made for cost containment reasons and also competition reasons, to, to keep the field closer within reason, or give smaller teams a lower barrier.
2: It's uh, Honestly, it's fiscally responsible. Sure. Right. Well,
0: so, so, I guess my question is, a team like yours, you... I don't know anything about the Ganassi budget. Maybe it is lower than it used to be, but you're still the one of the bigger budgeted teams. You can still reallocate those resources. But what you're reallocating them towards are if we look at somebody th- something like Smokey Unique, his stories are legendary. Those are sexy, fun stories that mm-hmm. two idiots are still making document- do- documentaries about 50 years later. Yes. A new piece of software or simulation tool is not sexy. <laughs>
3: right? Um,
0: right. right is we're never going to make a documentary about that time that this, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, Shaker Post. Uh, do you see any advantage in opening up the rules for that storytelling reason? That maybe the cars would be radically different from team to team, uh, and I you could th- have that smoky Unique type show up. I, I think.
2: I, I think that. You know, if you look at all forms of motor racing, yeah. it have been slowly but surely. Everyone's it down. doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, even if you were to open up the rules, if you think about the technology and the amount of information that we have available to us, one, you'd very quickly build a race car that would exceed human. Capabilities controlling the thing, right? I mean, we're here on the day of the <laughs> autonomous race at Indy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, you, know, you, you, you can't have people. Well, there's an Okay, I just found an you, opinion. You can't yeah. have people strapped to things doing 350 mile an hour laps at Indy. When, you know, something goes wrong. You yeah, were at Texas. Yeah. 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 Um, so you've got that. So you've got to have some sort of rule book. Obviously, somebody's got to pay for that. And. As, as soon as the rule book comes out then you've already just dis- defined the box and and where where or the pyramid and where everybody's finally going to wind up it might take them a little while but that's where everybody's going to wind up you think about when jim hall showed up with the first ever wing on the race car well next thing you know everybody had wings right so you know now we're able to uh digitally design and and proof of concept a variety of different things and and most, most teams are capable of doing that if they have the, the resources. So we're all going to wind up in a very similar spot.
0: You just said what Jeff Brown said. Yeah, so, and I'm going to say, assume you guys are smarter than me. Um, Jeff Brown basically said the same thing, and, and his wording was that the data and tools that are available now get you, get everybody in the same place because we can now run a million different scenarios that you couldn't during Jim Hall's era to right. show up with a big wing. So everybody's going to exactly. get that same basic shape. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. So. So, spec racing, it is.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, if you think about think about what a modern jetliner looks like, a, a yeah. twin engine jetliner, you yeah. can't tell seven thirty seven from a from an Airbus. Yeah, there's a reason. For Camden that. Thrasher, I has was gonna lost say, sir, guns. I have an app and everything.
1: You <laughs> are wrong.
2: <laughs> but you know, the main, main have, idea they, is the same. They have evolved that yeah. way yeah. for a reason. Yeah, that yeah. shape makes yeah, sense. What this is, yes. right? Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, so we've both picked up on some body language. Yeah, I
1: noticed the trigger. Yeah.
0: yeah, so what, What? Uh, just purely on coincidence, what big event happened today, Michael Cannon?
2: Oh, the Autonomous Challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just, just
0: a few miles from where we are. Exactly. Yeah.
2: <coughs> I did watch it not for a little bit. Yeah. It's impressive. I mean. You out of a job? It, it's. Coming fast? Not that I'm out of a job. a bloody Scottish beaver, you right. Autonomous driver. Jesus Christ. That was fast. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, if you watch it, you know. The whole thing looks very Fisher Price, right? The car's <laughs> sort of creeping around the track. Oh, the way <laughs> of putting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The that cars are creeping around the Where track. Do you stand. <laughs> right, yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're unimpressed. unimpressed. Like, ah, yeah. <laughs> how do you do that? My pontiac Right, right. But you know, they're, they're breaking new ground. And mm-hmm. uh you know, it, the right flyer, how long was its first flight? Not even yeah. the wingspan of a of a seven forty seven But things right. move along quickly 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 and I, I think there's there's definitely applications for autonomous vehicles yeah in the future um, but at the same time I think that the industry we're in I think just you'll start to see more use of artificial intelligence for making decisions on um, race cars yeah. and changes adapting to conditions mm-hmm. but um, sports are about people yeah right people like yeah. people like their heroes they yeah, like stories absolutely. about their heroes they want to see their their hero excel against their other heroes so uh i think i don't think the drivers are in, in any danger of being phased out
1: are you as scared of the robotic dog that they had as a flagger today as we are <laughs> that <laughs> that is the scariest thing in the world <laughs> to <laughs> me right now <laughs>
2: exactly It would be a you know, terminator film or, yeah, yeah I was 100% is built by cyberdyne <laughs> like, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. As, a, as an engineer, do you look at that going, okay, I'm going to have to engineer a gun to take that thing down? Like an <laughs> like electronic? A snare, yes. Yeah, I don't know. It's just something. Well, I told you I'm a tuner, so I'm, I'm yeah. off the hook on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we do a pass-along question, and uh, today we had lunch with uh, well, one of your drivers, Alex Palou. Yeah. And uh, he wants to know when you guys are all kind of hanging around the hotel lobby, getting ready to go to dinner, why you just go to dinner and don't
2: wait on him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm anti social in a lot of ways. Um, uh, wow. that'll, <laughs> right. that'll, that'll translate. Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually no. <laughs> this all stems from I don't I'm not gonna name names. But yeah, you know, I was a young junior uh racer coming up and he was so enamored with learning everything that <laughs> that he could, that he wants to move into the house with my wife and I. Oh God, no, I thought, we, need, I got, we need names. Here. I got, yeah. I yeah. got keep we these it? guys at arm's length now. I see him enough at work. I <laughs> <You laughs> gotta keep. I gotta bank him back. A besides bit. I mean the Yeah, <laughs> like,
1: listen, I got kids.
2: So I don't need another I got, one. I got Alex Blue, lovely twenty-four-year-old, twenty-four-year-old yeah. kid. Yeah. Uh, I'm a sixty-year-old lump of coal, as I said. Uh, what are we gonna talk about? The race car? Yeah. Right. Super. Yeah. yeah. Super. you got enough of life good. Right, right? Real good. Exactly. Yeah, so you're just on your way to dinner. I am. Yeah. I am, and a lot of times, given with what's been going on lately, I'll just door dash into the hotel. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sure. I kind of want to stay healthy.
0: So all we're doing is talking about how you need to, you need to choose staff that you're... Enjoying hanging out with. Yeah. Only you don't want to hang out with anybody.
2: Not, not so much. I respect this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I no. think we both do. Yep. Yeah. I, I have enough friends in real life. I don't, yeah. I don't
0: all right. So all right. So you go out, you do your race weekends. You got the wife. What, is, what happens when you come home?
2: Like, is, is racing
0: just not uh, ever on the television?
2: Oh, no, no. If she wants a full replay. She'd like to know everything that happens oh, on the weekend. Oh, that's cool. Okay. That's um, cool. I came in after Portland. It was four o'clock in the morning. So you took the Red Eye back. Yeah. <laughs> I come in. I'm dog tired. She says, you've got to see this. I'm like, what? You've got to see this. got to see this. Here's Jimmy Johnson making Bordeaux, bitch. <laughs> 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 so, you know, when she, when we were first together, yeah, we were in our 20s, yeah. and uh, my wife would come with us to the races, mm-hmm. and she knew all the people and you know, all the players, and, and she actually drove Jimmy Vassar to his first ever IndyCar test. Oh, cool. Oh, that's well, awesome. You know, f- yeah, yeah for so example. she's in. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, she, I mean, she knows all these people. So... You know, we, we grow up, we start having a family. I have two yeah. two sons, Cooper, 23, Colin, 21, who's a, a biology major at IU right now. Mm-hmm. And life starts interfering. I mean, she can't just pull the kids out whenever she wants. Yeah. It was a lot easier when they're you know, five, six, seven years old. They yeah. could miss some t- days at school, but after that... So she's sort of gotten further away from it, so she watches from afar. But she's uh, very, very supportive of what I do and, and um, uh, very supportive, very very patient. This isn't a life for everybody. And as I said earlier, her dad was an amateur racer of note and an airline pilot. So she was used to her dad being away. Yeah, sure. And so uh, she's, after 30 years, uh, next month, uh, she's quite used to me coming. Wait, so go. how tough
0: was last year? Pardon me? When you're home all the time. How tough was last year? It
1: was great.
2: It was fantastic. Oh, she oh. wasn't sick of you after a month. No,
1: no,
0: yeah. not uh, at all. It, it,
2: so
1: it really you don't, you need to go out the
2: garage. Yeah, <laughs> get some <something laughs> done out there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The no, no. racing
0: thing looks interesting. Why don't you go engineer that more? Yeah. You
2: know. No, no, it was, it was really enjoyable. I, okay. I devoted. I really enjoyed to cook. Enjoy cooking when I'm not okay. uh, That's cool. away. Yeah. so yeah.
0: What's the specialty? What's the mic Cannon? Everything. Huh. So, okay. like
2: one night I'll make I'll make a sukiyaki. Oh, you know. know. And then I'll (laughs) I'll make it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fire it up real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Tagine chicken. Anything, right? Just, I really enjoy cooking. Okay. So it was a chance to do that on a regular basis. Yeah. So that was very enjoyable. It also made me realize, because I've been doing this since um, I was 20 years old, and as I say, I'm almost 60. Yeah. And I've never had a summer. Yeah, yeah. right. So my children grew up in the summers, I'm away. And and I got to see the trees blossom the grass yeah. grow mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. work yeah, around the house a little bit roses, yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah, s- yeah. stop and smell the roses and uh, it was kind of a sobering reminder of, of how I spent uh, yeah. 40 years yeah. part of your life yeah yep yeah. yeah. But at the same time the sport's been very, very good to me so no complaints. Yeah,
0: right. A little bit of projecting on my, my own home <laughs> life. But oh boy. is it no is it weird, because I, I, I can speak for this firsthand. Is it weird you can be so singularly focused on your race and your car and your team. Is it weird to come home and she knows more about what actually happened in
2: the race than you do? Because <laughs> that's a thing for me. <laughs> you know, it is kind of funny because where yes. I stand on the timing stand, I really don't need to see a video. I've got timing and scoring yeah, and, right, right, and everything. Right. So she'll tell me things that went on in the mm-hmm. race, I'm
0: completely oblivious to yeah, it. Yeah, it is no clue. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. So Tomorrow we're gonna to have lunch with uh,
1: oh, your good buddy Chris Simmons. Anything you'd ever want to ask him that you didn't get a chance to ask him? I don't know, like every day at work, or yeah, every yeah, you've never, day, yeah. You, or something you could <laughs> hide behind with us that you couldn't ask him in person. You, like, like, oh, he's sensitive about this. If I ask him that, yeah, yeah. but they can ask him. Yeah, yeah.
2: I would like to know if Chris. Yeah, it's not even. It's not even for the sake of entertainment. I'd like to know what Chris thinks he's not good at, because I think he's good at everything.
0: The laundry list of names that have come through your, tremendous your, microphone uh, are insane. Is there anyone you are really thankful you haven't had to deal with?
2: Well, there's a couple out there. There's a couple all stars. But I'd say the, I'd say the king of those guys would be Dean Cameron. From what I hear. Jeez. What? I can't go into details. Fair. Fair or enough. Meeting.
1: Yeah. No worries. No worries.
2: Suck it, Cameron. One of the
1: uh, common questions we have is, uh, "Who's the best driver that didn't make it?"
2: There's a few out there, right? Um, Memo Gidley's remarkably good. It's literally what Almendinger said. Yeah, yeah. Did you yeah. work with Memo? Yes, a few races we uh, had him in. Patrick Carpentier hurt his wrist. We should have. Right. We should have yeah. won. We should have won uh, Rio with him because so we did Long Beach, then we did Rio and Motiki, and we should have won. Uh, at Rio, but uh, had a wastegate problem. The wastegate started to disassemble itself. Mm-hmm. And he started losing boost. He leading the race. Yeah, um, yeah, Mima was very, very good. There, you know, there's a lot of, lot of broken bodies out there. I'll tell you who is also remarkably good. Wish could have done more. Was Simona de Silvestro. She was so impressive when yeah. I first met her. Yeah, you know, she, she led her first ever IndyCar race in uh, San Sao Paulo. But she just didn't have uh, good funding behind her. Right. Didn't have enough sponsorship to really get herself placed well. Right. Obviously, she had a she had a very good opportunity this year mm-hmm. with the Penske Peretta program. Yeah. Unfortunately, Penske just wasn't all that sparkly this year. Yeah. Like so a the whole team struggled. So right. as a result, it didn't uh, didn't
1: reflect well on her. We have a mutual friend, a young we call him the Wolf, but a young Steve Goff. He has mentioned there's something about a rat rod.
2: Oh, yeah, that's, I sold that.
1: To
2: <laughs> oh. Yeah, I bought it on a whim on eBay. I was going through a hot rod phase. I uh-huh. actually sold it to uh, Jason Weatherford, Elvis, that works at Andretti Autosport. He still owns it. Okay. But it was basically, oh yeah, it was a 1939 Chevy pickup, chopped and channeled. Yeah.
0: Uh, the word is it went through a fire and made it better. It did. Yeah, it did. What did you do it was wrong? very
2: good. <laughs> yeah. Very good. I built, I built my own open lake-style headers. Uh-huh. It was louder than bugger. I still have hearing damage. My left ear from it. <laughs> But it was uh, it was the perfect vehicle for late night visits to yeah. friends' houses, three sure. o'clock in the morning, yeah. doing yard work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't tear it up too bad because I ran cheater slicks on the back. But I, I sold it to a, <laughs> I sold it to a to a, a, a teammate of mine at Andretti's to fund buying all the safety equipment and stuff for a go kart I bought for my eldest son. Okay, <laughs> who promptly. Came down with a, a rather serious medical problem. So all the money that I made from that, I uh, went to doctoring bills. Gotcha. Flash <laughs> yeah. For yeah. forward, late, I still have the go-kart. <laughs> uh, the eldest never actually asked about it. Yeah. He has no interest in motorsport. And my youngest went through a phase where he was asking about it a little bit. Yeah. And then I started getting into motor racing more and more. But... Uh, matured enough in his first year of engineering uh, school to realize he really didn't want to do what I was doing and switch over to biology at IU. Okay, So common yeah. heads prevailed So I have a, you know, basically an unused go-kart I've <laughs> so, had, f- right. had it for The better part of 20 years Oh nice, yeah, yeah. it's probably still good In untouched condition <laughs>
0: And what I'm hearing is you're going to have kids that are going to have real jobs that you've never had
2: Yeah, that's exactly like right that the intention yeah. your life. And, yes. and you're probably yeah. still like, you guys yeah. want to use this go-kart? <laughs> <laughs> <Grandkids>. <laughs> How would you rank Jimmy Johnson's rookie year of IndyCar? Uh, I think it was admirable Given his background and uh, I mean, let's face it. Given his age, yeah. he's in an age where people are talking. You know they're talking about Scott retiring. Yeah, right? Jimmy's yeah. older. Than Scott. You know, is, yeah, is Scott yeah. going to age out? Is Ryan Hunter right. Ray going to age out? I think it was incredibly brave of Jimmy's to do it. He is. Uh, when you spend any time with him, you very quickly realize why the guy has had the success he had in NASCAR. This is something he desperately wanted to do. Yeah. and prove to himself. Uh, I, I have nothing but admiration for him for doing it.
0: You're not the first to say that you learn real quickly why he's had the success that he has. Yeah. I don't understand what that means. Uh, I'm going to pretend like I don't for the sake of yeah. the audience.
2: <laughs> so, I mean, people like Jimmy, There, there is a... Uh, one, just mentally, they're very sharp. All these guys are very, very quick. Jimmy um, uh, two, obviously, he's got a vast amount of experience. There's a lot to to call. He has a lot to to fall back on. But three, there's also the inquisitiveness, so the the willingness to ask even what might seem like a very simple question. Uh, he's you know, very, very focused. He takes in all the information that he can. He's always doing compares to his teammates. He's watching Dartfish videos, in-car videos, grabbing any sources of information, asking very intelligent questions.
0: Is there a specific era you're most fond of?
2: Uh, I think the era that I'm in now. Uh, is, I, I am nostalgic. I love watching some of the older stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, I am glad to be working in an era where we've continued to improve safety to the point where now we've got the halos on the car yeah. um, that that driver safety and, and spectator and crew safety are yeah. number one priority um, over my career obviously with my dad racing in the 60s and 70s we've seen a lot of people go away and it, it gets very boring very quickly yeah. so uh, no, I'm I'm very happy with the era that we're in right now
0: Where's IndyCar in five years, and where's Michael Cannon?
2: That's a good question. I don't actually know. Um, obviously, we're looking at the doing the hybrid system for the car and upping the uh, displacement of the ICE engine. So, you know, it would be nice to get back to the, to the really big horsepower days, big torque days. Uh, at the same time, adding that stuff is going to increase the weight of the car as it starts... It's increasingly we're going to yeah. start working. <laughs> yeah. We have got to work on more safety-related mm-hmm. uh, issues. Yeah. Um, five years from now, I, I would like to be doing what I'm doing right now. Still. Uh, yes. You're not. Done I, I enjoy well. what I'm doing. Is it a lot of work? Uh, is it a lot of stress, a lot of pressure? Yeah, of course it is. But it's very rewarding, especially when you're working with somebody like uh, Ganassi and Scott Dixon. Is there
0: yeah. ever going to be a retirement, or are you just going to be done one day? I don't know. You're going to die at your desk.
2: I don't know. Okay. I, I think uh, you know. I've been fortunate to have the kind of job, right? Yeah. Like people would love to retire. Car from doing what they're doing and, and go then come do what you're doing. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's okay. not a lot that yeah. really appeals to me, other than you know, I'd like to. There's a few places I'd like to travel to, yeah. sure. go to. Sure. Some old friends I'd like to catch up with. But I'm uh, well, no, lucky I th- you have I a wife th- who gets it. Though. I thoroughly yeah. enjoy doing what I'm doing. What yeah. I'm doing now. yeah.
0: We don't have to get into anything you don't want to get into. But uh, you, you know, you worked for Forsyth at the time, and then on your, uh, in your personal life, 1999 was a very bad year. It, as far as I'm concerned, well, that was
2: particularly. <laughs> Yeah. So this, I mean, this is horrible, you know, because, so I was flying back from uh, Australia. Okay. And we took off out of Los Angeles. Yeah, I took, back from Australia, take off, and I, I looked down, and I was, oh, there's Balboa Island. And then the last family vacation we took, we rented a friend's house on Balboa Island. My yeah, mom, my dad, is just my sister outside, outside of, out. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom's car broke down, so we all drove back to North Hollywood, four of us. I was... Th- 11 at the time, my sister of uh, 10, my mom, dad, in the Lotus Europa. <laughs> oh, brutal. <laughs> but anyway, so I fly home, I land, get my luggage, go home, get in bed, phone rings at midnight. And I normally would never answer the phone, but I was like, I had an inkling. Pick it up. It's my stepmom. Your dad's been killed in a plane crash. So <laughs> I went to New Mexico to pick up his remains. <laughs> and once again, everything's always interrelated, right? You need to go to this mortuary and pick up his remains. It's on University Boulevard. It, da, da, da. Well, the easiest way to, t- to to find the place, it's next to a big car dealership, Gallus Chevrolet. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, I'd, run wow, Jamie, that's I'd run Jamie, Jamie Gallus, Gallus. Yeah, right. exactly. Jeez. So I go there, I pick my dad's ashes up. We have the funeral. Uh, one of the poignant things was my dad had flown from McKinney, Texas, where he live, to San Diego to see my sister. I hadn't seen her in 10 years. Oh, wow. And they sort of reconciled. Yeah, I rekindled a little bit, yeah. My youngest sister was supposed to be in my dad's plane with him, but overstayed her curfew, but stepmom wouldn't let her go. Anyway, my mom, living in Montreal, my sister living in San Diego, and I all met at Fontana. Mm -hmm. she come out for the race. Oh, Jesus. And Greg lost his life. Yeah, so that just went swimmingly. So that was my October. And then uh, two weeks later, my youngest son was born. So refreshing yeah so some positivity yes negative time yeah. yeah and then about three weeks later my wife was diagnosed with cancer and about two days later they asked me to be the chief engineer in Carpentier's car Jesus <laughs> Christ two changes man. in my life yeah, yeah. yeah a little bit yeah. what, what were you saying earlier today peaks and valleys yeah, yeah that's, that's man yeah, that's an never- yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah wow
0: yeah. and you hadn't been a chief or it hadn't been a, uh, running a car up to that point at that level. No, I was the assistant right. um, with yeah. the right. But yep. now you've right. got this huge other side of your life. Right. Yeah. Is, yeah.
2: It was very, very complicated in those yeah. days yeah. I mean, it had so many different aero configurations and brakes. Yeah. And, you know, there was no rules. Yeah. Right, 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 so right.
0: knowing the, I mean, this isn't anything we don't have to get into if you don't want, but uh, knowing the mental commitment of running a car like that, yeah. and this is your big career proving opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, you your wife's going to need your attention if she's going through something like that. Yes. How, was it an obvious yes, or was there some consideration of, like, I don't know that I can take, like, this is a lot of distractions in two directions here.
2: It was tough on everybody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 You you know, we, we planned for, put it this way, we planned for the future. And if we were going to have a future, then I probably needed to do what I was do doing. What doing. Right, yeah. right. That's a hard
0: decision. Yeah. If that,
2: your that. wife is as sharp as I bet she is based on
1: the fact oh, she that she grew up with the people in the sport, understands yes. how that works, and also has put up with you for 40 years now, is that what you said? 30 on November 2nd. 30 years, yeah. yeah. I can, I could, and I've never met this woman, but I could easily see her being like, you need to focus on that to help us get through this. Yes,
2: she's very pragmatic. Yeah. yeah. She's got the mind of a litigator. She's yeah. very, very bright, yes. Yeah. What was the, uh, what kind of cancer was it? Breast cancer. Ah. Uh, yeah, so they removed to the right breast uh, chemotherapy and all that stuff. She was yeah. very aggressive with it. Y- yeah, um, yeah. we have... Many friends who called her for advice after they were subsequently uh, diagnosed. Wow. Yeah. And it's shocking how many of them did not survive it because they they opted for lumpectomies or, or you know easier way out. Yeah. Great. And uh, yeah. yeah, just horrible, horrible mistake. Yeah. So right. That's mom. Just a year or two ago. Looking great. Still, yeah. yeah. Still yeah. yeah. Dude, taken. you outkicked
1: your coverage by a mile. Oh. Yeah. 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 Good God. Did she think? Did she think you
2: were rich? <laughs> <laughs> You work in racing. Actually, you know what she said. Well, she do this sport. Yeah, I was like, like she, she knows she better. Know better, right? Yeah. <laughs> it is funny because I always <laughs> She said, would, would you see me?" She said, "I was pretty sure you had a future." <laughs> 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 Nothing <laughs> now, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, maybe yeah. later. Yeah, one <laughs> day you'll introduce me to Scott Dixon. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> it, uh, yeah. You know.
0: yeah. Wait, was, yeah. what was your game? Do you know what game is?
2: <laughs> What's my game? What yeah. was your game? Why when why, you met why, just, why did this woman like me? Yes, yes. Yeah, you know, what, yeah, was the way Did obviously my magnetic personality. You can tell sitting across the table. (laughs) (laughs) She she saw the t shirt. Yeah. Yeah. What were you driving at the time? At the time? Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't have a car, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, you man. got a game that we yeah, don't right. know about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah. I live in Marin County on the top of a hill. It's pretty nice. Right? Yeah, uh, the view. Yeah, it's the view that sure, sold sure. like, Yeah, he'll figure something out. I drove a shop pickup truck.
1: <laughs> nice. That's yeah, gangster.
0: Well played, man. Yeah. Well played. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you, you for, some, for out of a weird sense of duty. Yep. You sat down with us. Uh, what is the Takeaway you're hoping our, our listeners will get with the the
2: legend that is Michael Cannon. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you're reading too much into this. You're turning into super fans. You're not going to stalk me on the way home, are you? No, I think is that I'm your just car out of front. No. <laughs> well, we know what it is. Yeah, <laughs> so. it's, it's nine years <laughs> yeah, old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I think it's, I think I'm just I, I'm another one of these stories, right, from motor racing. Yeah. Everybody's got this this individual path. Yep. Um, Hopefully I've given you a little bit more of a window into the various hijinks that go on, Mm -hmm. the various responsibilities, the highs and lows. Yeah,
0: yeah, I definitely will look at one series official differently the next time I see him. Yep, yep, that was awful. Who we may know very close to our hearts. I saw
1: two pretty much completely naked men in the first five minutes you sitting down. Yeah. I want yeah.
2: to set the tone immediately. I want to yeah. establish where the boundaries were yeah. and yeah. where they were. And we didn't even start drinking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, this yeah. is a pretty sober
1: environment we have here. I haven't even touched my water yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, All right. Yeah. on that note, I'd say Continental's got the check. Thank you, Continental. And Valvoline. Meow, meow.
3: But I can only hold a thing you should do Can't bring me down Can't stop me now Can't bring